The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. That still is one of the proudest moments in my life. <laughs> Hearing Nick Diaz say that, train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night. That was, that was one of the happiest I've ever been as an adult. That was like right up there with uh, fucking anything else that's ever made me happy. That was <laughs> so killer. So you're back, dude. I'm back. Back. How many times a year are you trying to do these uh, intense psychedelic experiences? Well, you know, after this last experience, I kind of got the message that, you know, there wasn't too much left for me to explore in this. But, you know, I kind of see myself as an adventurer, you know, coming back, getting knowledge and taking right. it back and sharing it. So When you say that not too much left, like, um, I always feel like if I do it too much that I'm not absorbing what's happening. I always feel like uh, any if I have too many experiences in a row, like two or three in a, in a couple of months, I feel like I'm just playing. I'm just uh, it's just I'm right. just riding a ride. I'm getting scared. Right. You know, I know it, it takes a long time for the big ones to make sense to me. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a certain amount of information that needs to kind of accumulate, and you need to get farther off track for your experience to be well, that's really. What the people say that are real skeptics. They say, like, what information? Like, what, what has anybody ever brought back? But so, you know, there are there there is some anecdotal evidence that some things have been discovered while on LSD, and supposedly Francis Crick on his dying de deathbed, you know, said that right. uh, he had LSD discovered was, the DNA discovered. molecule. Yeah. yeah, but you know what, man? Fucking on my deathbed, somebody might say I turned Christian. You know, you're fucking dying, man. You just might be <laughs> making shit up. You know, he's crazy. He's dying. I mean, well, why is a deathbed worth anything? You know, I mean, deathbed should be like don't listen to that dude he's fucking freaking out right now he's dying he why did you decide to make up some shit about lsd and the dna mo oh it's fucking whatever <laughs> i was dying i was tripping my balls off like but what have you like is there like one thing that you could like if someone said what do you ever bring back is there one thing i can, can i can give you three things from this last experience that were pretty poignant life lessons that were told to me just directly flat out that i think will help me for the rest of my life I mean, actual concrete things. This was a very different experience, and I don't know if I should just go from the start or kind of well, hop into the for middle. For folks here. who don't know, uh, Aubrey uh, had a recent one. It was about what is it, six months ago? The last one? Well, the aboga was six months ago, and then the last trip to Peru was a full year ago. So this was the anniversary of that of that first epic trip and down to the jungle. In the first epic trip, you you went with the same guy, the guy they called the dragon. The dragon, yeah. And you had some insane visions, and you communicated insane. with flotillas of snakes <laughs> right. and like what, what what was it like yeah i mean there was a the second experience i had the first one was just basically coming to terms with my own mortal death i mean every possible way i could die snakes eating out my organs sliding down vines of thorns uh, every possible way that i could Jesus. confront my death i had to go through sliding even it, it was even it was even telling me it was like your body is riddled with cancer you're gonna die as soon as you get back and i was like oh that was that was the one that got me actually the thorns and the snakes eating me and actually the insects burrowing in my skin and exploding all of that stuff i was like all right i'm cool with that like i can get over that but then it was like your body's riddled with cancer and you're gonna Whoa. die and at that point what a i had dick. yeah exactly but at that point i had to be like okay you know if this is the end so be it and as soon as that happened i could feel you know the medicine just kind of draw me back down into the ground in a deep sense of peace and a kind of conquering of a fear of suffering that I had. So you had to just figure out how to let go of the idea that you're going to die, which really is the one thing that fucks with almost everybody. Yeah, it's the, the number one head. pervasive fear. Yeah. It's, 
I've had that conversation yesterday with my four-year-old. It's very yeah. strange when they start to be aware that, you know, that people will cease to exist. Yeah, that's a tough one. So that's why they call it the vine of death, actually, is one of the reasons, is because ayahuasca, one of the first things it's going to do, it's going to make you confront your death. And if you're not ready for that, you'll fight that, and you'll, you'll battle with that until the end. But you got to just kind of get past that first step. So fortunately, the first session I had the last time a year ago got me through that, and then the next one... I was just brought to, to what the shamans call the eighth dimension, they call it out there. That's just the paradigm that they use. But it was just this unbelievably lucid place where I had to get me there. I, you know, I had a flotilla drawing smoke out of me, and then I had another one that was shooting a beam of light under my tongue. And then I just under burst. Your tongue? Yeah. I, it was the weirdest thing. I've, I've, no, I've since had some people say, you know, there's some yogic practices where you absorb something or another between underneath your tongue. But I knew none of that now. And I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to that even after reading it. But there is some kind of literature about underneath the tongue. But I just did it instinctively. And this beam of light just goes under piercing through my tongue. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if it's because sub, uh, um, sublingual. Um, drugs. Yeah, it's a you very know? it's a very strong absorption site. Yeah, like it's like the easiest way to absorb directly into your bloodstream. So it's kind of an odd yeah. odd thing for me to do without thinking about it. But after that happened, I just burst into this other dimension, and from that dimension, I could see people that I wanted to see. I could scan my body. I could look towards the future, towards business, towards anything, and everything was just perfectly lucid in this universe that didn't change no matter which direction I looked at, and it was the incredibly profound life-changing experience in the last session did it seem when you were looking at like the world and all the different aspects of you of, of your world did it seem like something you're creating in your mind no it it really didn't at this time you know and and i've had i've had some psil psilocybin experiences and some other different experiences that seem very much like an exploration on a ride through my own subconscious you know like going through the dream state processing bad emotions bad feelings um, but something particular about the dmt experience and the aboga experience transcends that kind of feeling like you're on a ride through dreamland you know that really is your own mind you it felt completely different because i was so lucid i was so yeah. able to just navigate through a different space where only the shaman was sharing that space the rest of the people around me were just these spindles of light that i could kind of see through and i had full options to do whatever i want i even ran back to my cabin and shot a little video where i looked really kind of weird and a little bit freaked out but i was like i had to capture that moment because i was worried that i was going to forget it so yeah. you got a video of you talking about what you just experienced yeah, yeah. So or I were you experiencing it currently while you were i was video? experiencing it currently so i turned the camera on myself and i was like you know, this is me, I, I'm in the eighth dimension, it's a, a space of infinite possibilities, and I'll show you there, something like that. But but at, I had such freedom to just do whatever I wanted in that, it seems almost impossible to me that that was cr generated by my own mind. So what do you think it is then? I mean, it is generated by your your own mind interacting with a drug. So, but does that drug act as a doorway to I the think, new experience? I think it does. I think d what DMT does is it opens up the realms of like opens up the other dimensional realms where there's knowledge and information that wants to come and you know access your brain. And, you know, you want to receive information from those other other dimensions, and how it comes to you is generally it, there's a there's a translation gap. You know, there's no Rosetta Stone there, so it comes through generally as pictures, and these pictures can often be very confusing. But it's really trying to translate information that it, that your, your brain wants to get access to and the only way it knows how to do that is to show you pictures so you explore these pictures and find answers um, f 
from, you know, what I believe is another, either the collective unconsciousness of all people or another dimension that's even higher, that's beyond people, that transcends people, that's a wisdom older than people. And I think that's kind of where you're accessing this information. I think also there's also some component of your own of your own mind and consciousness, but I think DMT in particular is a, is a pretty unique molecule that really allows access from, you know, some other spaces that are non-self-generated. It, certain, it certainly seems like that when you're doing it, but nobody knows what the fuck that really is. What are you doing over there, Brian? Looking up cat pictures. <laughs> okay, let's not do that while the podcast is It's very distracting. <laughs> I'm looking at you on the screen. Um, if you want to look up cat pictures, just <laughs> stretch us out so you don't have to be looking like a fucking weirdo cat stalker <laughs> in the corner. Um, um, when when you when you take it and you have that feeling though, do you think it's possible that that feeling is just a drug interacting with your mind? Because that's sure. like what the skeptic would say, right? Sure, it's certainly possible. I mean, you can't. You how do you how can you rule that out? And actually, that's one of the things that you know. And I'll get into that a little bit more in the second experience because the second experience, this one I just got back from, I had actual encounters with allies, like different beings that were talking to me and that's the first time that's ever happened like the last time and they were giving you good advice yeah yeah they were giving me good advice do you do you think that that's possible that that's like part of your personality that's definitely possible it's you know definitely the, possible you know what i mean like there's like some yeah. area of your personality sure. that subconsciously needed to sure. get expressed and so what it's done is it's created a character sure it's going to guide you i mean i don't know look I, that's the, that, that's absolutely possible and i'm not playing devil's advocate i just really don't know i'm I, I i certainly it certainly has felt like when i've had dmt experiences that i was wasn't in the same place as i am now i felt like i was in a new world mm -hmm. and i def definitely also was kind of tweaked by the fact that i was myself i wasn't drunk I wasn't stoned. Right. I wasn't. I wasn't myself tripping balls. I was myself seeing something that was impossible. Yep. It's a weird thing how that experience hits you, where it doesn't change your own personal feet, the way you feel physically, the way your mind works. It doesn't change that. It yep. just It seems like a doorway, but I don't know what the fuck is really going on. It's it's interesting, yeah. So I'll tell the story of how I encountered these beings, and then we'll we'll try yeah. and figure it out. Because I had a lively debate. I was actually down there with my friend Bodhi, and we had a lively debate. He was on the camp that it was just you know parts of my own mind, but right. I, for me, I wasn't quite sure. It seemed like well, it I was think that different. either or to be confident in either or is silly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. How do you look, know? consciousness is created by chemicals. Okay, you need all these different chemicals in order for a human being to have a mind that's functioning, and this consciousness of the human mind has manifested a physical reality that is almost impossible to imagine. We think of airplanes and the internet and television and fucking giant buildings and shit. These are all come from chemicals. Um, chemicals have produced chain reactions. They've produced, they've set into motion a chain of events that have fucking eaten every fish out of the ocean, yeah. <laughs> polluted everything, you know, j figured out how to drop bombs that incinerate a half a million people at a time. I mean, this has all come from chemicals. Mm -hmm. So why would we be tripped out that the idea that you introduce a different chemical and you literally change dimensions? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the chemicals in this dimension have changed the shit out of this place. You know, and that has done it in the form and the manifestation of human consciousness. Why wouldn't we think that another one that you add to human consciousness might 
elevate you to some different place. Yeah, and that's what I think the real shame about all the the drug laws that yeah. you know disallow these different explorations because you know at this point it's just such a still such a small amount of people that are accessing this that are able to research it. I mean, the LeBron James of psychedelic tripping has not been discovered yet. You know, right. like he's like the person who can go go out there and pick up information that's completely different and bring it back and solve some of these mysteries. It's just you know, you got to have a basketball court on every bro- every block to produce yeah. LeBron James. You yeah, know? and you got to have psychedelics legal. You know, to get enough of people to get the the super, you know, the super explorer out there and have access to it. Yeah, and I think also collectively we learn from each other's experiences. I, mean, I know that you know when, when I have had friends that have tripped and and came back and had a different perspective on themselves. You know, just absorbing their story and, ex- and absorbing their experience, and then you have your experience compounded with the information that they kind of gave you about their experience, and it all builds up yeah. together. When you're just by yourself alone in a fucking cabin in Vermont and you're tripping your fucking balls <laughs> off with nobody to talk to, you know, it's like, did you meet? Well, what was that movie uh, Into the Wild? Is that what it was? Where uh-huh. the kid goes up to uh, Alaska, and uh, one of his uh, one of his big things is he realizes he he can't have fun unless um, he is with other people. Like you're not you you can't enjoy yeah. your life unless you're with other people. Like you, the idea of yeah, going out here, social creatures. yeah, you can't just. Be in Alaska and go. This is so beautiful. I'm gonna be so happy. Yeah. No, you. Where's where is everybody? Doesn't matter how many yeah. flashlights you have. It's still not gonna be fun. Yeah. There's a show that I've been watching lately. It's called uh, Mountain Men, and this it follows three different dudes. One in Alaska, one in Montana, and one in North Carolina. And the guy in Alaska, man, this motherfucker is a trip. This guy gets in a little float plane and he takes off and he fl- he flies three hours into the woods where there's no one and he gets there and goes to his cabin and when he goes to his cabin then he has to take piece by piece his snowmobile he has to take the parts out put them back together by the way it's 30 below zero has to put the parts back in the daytime. Has to put the parts on his snow machine together. If there and is a day, he, depending on what time of year. Yeah, and then he drives 24 miles on a snowmobile, 24 miles to check his a string of traps, and that's what he does every day. He did it every day for months, and he made four thousand dollars. Four thousand dollars <laughs> for doing like the hardest shit you've ever seen in your life. This guy's first of all, his, his trails will disappear because the snow will hit so fast yeah. that by the time he tries to turn around and drive the trail back, you can't see what the fuck is going on. So he hits logs and breaks his skis, and he's like, "If you get hurt out here, you're fucked." Like, no, really, you're f- three hours by plane into Alaska. There's no one there. No one. And this fucking guy is driving around killing animals with these springy metal contraptions that snap their heads in. And he takes their skins and sells them. Whoa. <laughs> it's a hard man. Yeah. Meanwhile, the dude seems happy as fuck. That's the crazy thing about it. The guy seems so happy. He seems like he's having a great time. And, you know, we were talking earlier about people who are on antidepressants, like what number of people are on antidepressants and how weird it is when you're around someone who's loopy on antidepressants. And you're like, I wonder how much of our brain is just fucking designed to be a hunter and gatherer. And despite the fact that we've evolved way, way past that societally, the physical body is slow as shit to catch up to technology. Yeah, for sure. I read a book uh, by Bertrand Russell called Conquest of Happiness. 
Price, and he was a preeminent kind of 19th or 20th century philosopher. And uh, in that book, he describes like a gardener that they had. And, his, and this gardener, he said, was one of the examples of the happiest people he's ever seen. And he lived in a very affluent kind of British society. Um, and he said one of the reasons his keys to happiness was every day he went out and he's, his job was to hunt rabbits because the rabbits would tear up the gardens. So that was his daily challenge that he got to do. And he was had like every morning he woke up and he's like, oh, those goddamn rabbits, I'm going to fucking get them. You know? wow. And that, was, that for him was all he needed to every day have that challenge and have the ability to meet it and feel like he was making a difference. That's what made him happy. So similar to your mountain man, you know, he goes out and he goes after those animals and he has that challenge against nature, challenge to catch the animals and, and then come back and get it. And I think that makes him happy. But these people who have these jobs that feel like they're completely meaningless, like what are you doing? What are you creating? It's monotonous. It's the same day. It's not a challenge anymore. You're just clocking in. Yeah. I think that makes it even more more difficult to maintain happiness. Well, everybody can't have the perfect life, unfortunately, for a society to work like this. Yeah. The only way to have a gigantic society the way we have here is there's a lot of people have to do shit that sucks. Yeah. They they have to. And yeah. you get talked into thinking that, you know, you're going to get out of college, all you need is just get a good job and you're going to be fine. No. No, you're not going to be fine. You're not going to be fine. For eight hours, you're going to be in pain every day. It's not a lot of pain, but it's a mild pain. It's the kind of pain that makes you shoot up a post office if you <laughs> absorb it for 30 years. Yeah. That's what it is. It's well, just mild pain. Especially when you make the releases illegal. You know, I really yeah. think if you're going to be in that kind of situation, there's a lot of people that are. Well, if you do, you better get out and fucking camp on the weekends and go find nature again because that's part of what... I think is another key, probably why your mountain man is so happy, is he's connecting with the natural world, which I think is another big key. So you better go out and fucking camp on the weekends. And every six to 12 months, you know, I believe that a psychedelic reset can be extremely valuable, can kind of purge all of these kind of negative emotions that you felt. And then you can kind of go do your job and check out and live for other things. Live for your girlfriend, for your workout that you have at the end live of that. Live to get out of that fucking job. Or bust your ass. Get one bust that your ass. suck. Read Pressfield's Turning Pro or War of Art yeah. and get the fuck out. That's yeah. why Ocean Towns are so happy. Every time you go to Ocean Town, like, it's always happy and positive and people are happy. You know, like, you That's go to the because bars. they're humbled by nature. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. what they that see is. see it every day. You're humbled by nature. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, mountain Towns are like that, too. Yeah, they're they're nice people because they're yeah. humble. They're humbled by nature. It's a, it's a different kind of humbling the mountain towns because it's a cold weather sort of button down the hatches. Do you guys need help changing your flat? You know, it's right. like that kind of happy. But uh, the the ocean towns are always like laid back because yeah. like you just look out at that ocean and go, shut up, bitch. <laughs> Can't nothing be important. Look at this. Look yeah. at this crazy puddle of water we're in front of. Yeah, I tell you, man, San Diego. I was there for Comic Cons, and you were also so beautiful. Like I, I did that one bridge that humongous bridge that kind of mm. goes around where it's just super yeah. high up it's blue so, water those, san diego shits on la get those yeah. negative ions off the water <laughs> it's weird how the weed i you do feel the that that marijuana laws or at least its tolerance is completely different than what it is in los angeles oh yeah they have they have a really hard time putting up dispensaries there they keep getting shut down and then like like the people that work the doors are all ex-military guys so they enforce mm. it more you know it's like you can yeah. see how it just spreads like we could barely find a place to smoke a joint in san diego near a comedy club you know at first right. we were like trying to go on the sidewalks and we got kicked it's off tricky. porches and 
Yeah, it's a lot trickier than it is in L.A. L.A. is so ridiculous right now. It's like it, the folks who live in other parts of the world, you don't realize how suppressed you are. Yeah. <laughs> you come to L.A. and, I mean, and they keep talking about closing places down. They, they target after the big places. That's what they do. They target after places like Oaksterdam. There's another place. And, and the good thing about these big places is those guys generate enough money to fight it in court. And so hopefully some, some good will come out of it. But you have no idea how many there are. You've no idea. There's way more than there are Starbucks and McDonald's combined. And when you hear the shit with the raids and stuff, it's all. <laughs> if you look crazy. at the the the, yeah. the shit like the why they got raided, it's because they were operating without a license. You know, they weren't. Uh, there's so many. There's so many places that are just no, do, they're no. breaking the laws. No, no, no. This, what that Tommy, last one, what Tommy Chong said, is right. That one, the one in in Long Beach where they the cops. Stepped on the kid's yeah. neck. Those fucking. Yeah, they didn't have a license, they and the guy was. But the big ones, they're getting the DEA's going after them because they have a lot of cash. That's one thing. They're stealing their money. They're going after them. They take their pot and their money, mm -hmm. and you know, good luck getting either one of them back. Yep. And a year later, your pot's not worth anything anyway. Stupid. You know, yep. by the time you go through the legal bullshit. Yeah, hey, here's your pot. By the way, most of it's probably already smoked. The <laughs> DEA probably smoked the shit out of your fucking weed. They resold it and then yeah. re reacquired it. Well, Obama said that he was only going to go after people that weren't violating, uh, that were violating both state and federal law. That's what they said at first, but they've since not, they've not lived up to that because uh, that Oaksterdam place wasn't violating state law. They're just, you know, they're, it's a, it's a fucking. They got to keep busy. And it's an easy way to arrest people and not get shot. You know, go try and raid the meth lab with such confidence. Yeah. You know, go try. Yeah, you, you step into a fucking meth lab, dude. You might get shanked. There might be a dude hanging by his heels from the ceiling ready to <laughs> drop on a cop because he's like, that's what he does because he's methed out all day and he's got a knife in his teeth. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Kicking in a meth lab is dangerous. They'll throw a grenade at you and blow it up right in front of them. They're fucking methed out. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> But cops, when they go and break out a, a medical marijuana store, it's like you might as well be arresting babies, you know? Yeah. And nobody's fighting back, you know? And meanwhile, the cops are smashing the cameras and shit. The whole thing's disgusting. If this was a CVS pharmacy, they, they get right down the street, you would never think about doing that. Meanwhile, those motherfuckers are dispensing Oxycontins on the regular. People are coming in every day that are stone-cold opiate junkies. And CVS is just keeping them alive, keeping them alive, and giving them bottles of pills. And some of them they smash and snort, and some of them they smoke, and some of them they just take. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, the medical marijuana place, get on the ground, you have plants, you guys have flowers. I think the biggest problem is the reason why it's not already legal is you can't patent pot. It's yeah. just too easy to grow. Too oh, many sure. people could do it, so they can't control it and they can't monetize it. The corporations can't do it. There's you know? that for sure, for sure. I mean, it, th there's no other. You have to follow the money in all yeah. of these cases, and there's just no other good reason. Except, I guess, in some cases like Iboga and ayahuasca. I mean, nobody's gonna do that shit for fun. I mean, it's yeah, you're puking, you're okay. shitting, you're like, it's a, it's a tough, it's tough like tomatoes. Experience. Not everyone's growing tomatoes. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. Too. Yeah, even even easy yeah even easy shit like tomatoes and that shit's fast also yeah um, celery grow some bamboo grow your own bamboo <laughs> bamboo grows like a fucking inch a day it's constantly growing yeah. it grows fast as shit nobody's growing it just bamboo. make it cheaper you know it'd be like yeah. being able to buy a pound for five bucks well the idea that you could be growing like lettuce and i can come along and say you can't grow lettuce if there was only two of us that would be so ridiculous 
You're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get get away from me. I'm growing some lettuce. If there's only two of us, it would be not. But if there's 300 million of us, you can come up to me and say, you can't grow marijuana. Yeah. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Why are you telling me what to do ever? Well, the only reason why it seems like you should be allowed to tell somebody what to do is when there's you represent some giant group of people like there's a bunch and so this bunch has decided they don't like you doing this and they haven't even decided it by the way you know it's like what it is is a bunch of a, a, a giant group of people who are making money from other things and are worried that yeah. you're gonna take away some of their profits with this plant that you want to grow so they go and they pay off the cops and they, they literally do. They give them money. And then they, they give politicians money. They give it to them. They give them millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And they say, we want to make sure that this, this position is supported. And so they go out and they bust pot shops. <laughs> I mean, it's really that it's simple. Asinine. And even, it's the, crazy. even the male species of hemp, you know, we can't grow that yeah, in the United even... States. I have to source our hemp for this new protein that we got from, from Canada. And it comes in just the male species. Yeah. And it's, I mean, so easy to grow, sustainable for the soil. You don't need pesticides. The protein it produces is one of the most nutritious proteins for you at all. The fibers you can use for clothes. I mean, it, and it's illegal to fucking grow here. It's like, incredible. Seriously? And it doesn't even seriously? fucking, it's not even psychoactive at no, all. No. It's illegal to grow a plant that doesn't even get you high <laughs> because it's related to a plant that yeah, gets you high. That's food. It's going to be even, I mean, you know, God for God forbid, there's some kind of hunger issue that comes from any kind of collapse or something like that. But then you got a plant that's about the easiest motherfucker to grow that can feed people and yeah. clothe people. Yeah. And you're like, no, 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 no. We yeah. do not want that because why? Well, because its sister makes people high, <laughs> makes people happy. Meanwhile, yeah. they're selling oxycontins by the truckload. Yeah. They got truck wah, wah, passing each other on the highway, filled with oxys. Wow, wow! <laughs> Everywhere you go, oxys, oxy. What do you got there? Nothing. Just some pharmaceuticals. I'm bringing a CVS. Oh, go on your way. Yeah, I always thought it was. Is that a roach in your fucking ashtray, boy? <laughs> You know, they'll pull you out and beat you if you have a roach in your ashtray, but they'll they'll look at your papers and go, what do you got, enough Oxycontin in there to kill a fucking country? Yeah. Good. Good. I always thought it would be a good a good skit by some enterprising pioneer to take a cop out to a cow pasture and find, like, a magic mushroom that's growing in the cow pasture and walk with the cop and then just find the exact point where it becomes illegal to touch something that's growing out of the ground. You know, right. just bring them, come up to it, come close to it. Is, is this yeah, illegal? Is this okay? Is this illegal? And then just touch it with if your you finger. If you pluck it, am I, do I own this now? <laughs> yeah. Am I pr and now I'm can now you, a prisoner. Can you pet it? I mean, yeah. when, at what yeah. point does he smack you in the face and handcuff you? <laughs> if you, you pick it up by the turd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you what hold if, the whole turd. <laughs> yeah, so, what if you, I'm not even touching it. I've got a shovel. Right. <laughs> Shoveling the turd. I mean, just to find. Yeah. I mean, it gets so absurd at that right. point. You know, when this natural substance becomes illegal. They were legal I mean, in crazy. England for until really recently. Mm -hmm. But it's probably because Americans went there and took too many mushrooms and freaked the fuck out and ran down the streets. <laughs> like, all right, we got to stop this shit. <laughs> Maybe, or they just had too many good ideas. Who knows? Yeah. Hope. Well, hopefully that was the reason. Yeah. But least. I guess you know there is some. There's the the two promising fields. There's some pretty good research coming out. Johns Hopkins had that one on psilocybin. That was good. Maps is doing some good work. Some other people are doing good work. But then the uh, the Church of Santa Dime won a big case um, for. Uh, ayahuasca as a medical, I mean, as a religious sacrament. 
So that's kind of another angle that's kind of allowing some of these medicines um, to get in through a loophole. Because you're allowed, you know, the Native American church already got peyote approved. And then this Church of Santa Daime, or either them or the EDV, I don't know. They're both. I think it's the out. EDV. Uh, the I EDV think it's that both. did it. Yeah. Both are trying. I think one succeeded, one's in the works. But it's but something anyways, the vegetal. It a, how does the EDV? What yeah. does the does it break down? Something the vegetal. The vegetal. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for folks who don't know, what these are is they're Christian groups that mm -hmm. uh, are from Brazil, and they combine. Uh, Christianity with ayahuasca. It's it's a very strange sort of offshoot of religion. They take yep. really high-level psychedelic drugs and they sing songs about Jesus. <laughs> I have a friend who went and yeah. he said, it is crazy. Yeah. He said... Uh, I, that was the, there was a shaman down in the area that we were at who does that, who combines, who blends, you know, Christianity with the traditional jungle beliefs of ayahuasca. Uh, so the beings that he's talking to, sometimes, you know, it's some... Um, you know, spirit of Mother Ayahuasca or whatever, and other times it's straight sweet baby Jesus that he's wow. that he's trying to talk to, and that actually throws some people off. I definitely prefer my <laughs> my my shaman to be straight straight jungle beliefs. Well, rather that than, uh, that really uh, begs the question: then, what's going on? What's going on? Is is Jesus real, or is everything that you can imagine real? And is your imagination? concocting all this shit and is the imagination sort of being underestimated or downplayed or um, maybe mischaracterized you know we look at the imagination as something that creates some bullshit something that's not real something that creates things yeah. that are imaginary you're making it up they don't exist but maybe it's much more complicated than that maybe their imagination is a reality creating frequency maybe it's a you know, maybe it's something that actually does. I mean, from out of the out of the imagination comes everything, right? That's true. This fucking computer sure. didn't exist until somebody imagined it and then made it. So yeah. it's and it also could be that these these are really archetypal forces. So like, if you're talking about you know Saint George or Saint Michael or Jesus, you know, you're just basically giving a name to a spiritual force that has certain characteristics. And but you you're call, also giving him a, a, a yeah, face too. Yeah, giving him right? a name look, and giving him a face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it's all part of the. what's happening there? I think it might be all part of the translation mechanism. You know, it's communicating to you in the way that makes the most sense. Right. To you, you know, but so let me let me get into the full story because I've had yeah. some encounters with some entities. Brian, do you have that? Do you have the music? It might be kind of cool to cue this up so you can get a taste of what I was hearing as I was going through this. Uh, and this is uh, called what are they called? They're Icaros? called the Icaros. 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 And these are passed down grandfather to grandson. And they're songs that they sing while the ayahuasca ceremony is going on. Yep. And they take the ayahuasca with you, so they learn these songs while on ayahuasca and they sing the songs while on ayahuasca and also smoking the. Nicotina Rustica cigarettes, which is a different type of tobacco. Yeah, why does tobacco um, play a part in it? Like, the, they'll blow tobacco yeah. in your face? Yeah, that's kind of a cleansing ritual, the tobacco part, but I think it also has some effect on opening up the reactors in your brain. So, it kind of activates the ayahuasca experience. I think the, I don't know, I could do a little bit more research on the science behind it, but I think the nicotine has some similar effect to the DMT reactors. Well, it's amazing how many people are mis uh, misinformed about nicotine. Like, nicotine actually is good for you. Yeah. Like, nicotine is healthy for people who have bad hearts. Like, it's like you could use it as a medication in some circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. It's just smoking it with, like, 590 other chemicals is not so fucking fantastic. 
mm-hmm. smoking it, period. Yeah. You know? It's true. Yeah, well, but naturally, when, they, when you're getting a bundle out of the jungle, I think it's a little different. Yeah. I think, that. yeah. And cigars are different, too. Yeah. So anyway, so they, this guy's singing this thing. Yeah, you're so tripping, here it is. You're tripping balls already. So this is this is the so the first time I had kind of a real physical purge. Not too much to talk about. I was nauseous the whole time. I was puking and shitting, and it was more about my body getting prepared for the second session. So, the second session I doubled up on the cups, and it's about an hour and a half in, and I'm listening. This you're basically hearing what I'm hearing at this point in time. The shaman's kind of rattling his leaves and singing his songs. And, uh, and then the experience starts to get rich, like it did, you know, the time before. And what appears to me is like a nexus of energy right in front of me. And unlike last time where things were coming at me, snakes and eels were just charging at me from all directions, this time it was subtler. I felt like I was looking into like a black hole or a wormhole. Um, what is that sound? The whistling? No, the, the background. That's the, uh, I don't know, the cricket type. That's the insects in the jungle. That's the insects in the jungle. Dude. We're outside in the jungle, yeah. I mean, this Dude. is the real jungle. Dude, that was <laughs> just that alone. Yeah, no, it's so, true. I mean, somebody got a rattle? I'm like, what is that? Is that a rattle? No, that's insects. Yeah. That's what that's Ohio sounds like at, at, at night. I don't think Ohio sounds quite like the jungle sound. <laughs> no, the, yeah. those insects. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, there, there are some insects in Ohio. There's some insects out here at night, too. Yeah. But not so much not you like can hear that. them on an MP3 player. Like oh, yeah. Sound. Oh, yeah, totally. Really? Yeah, 100%. Maybe. Mm, maybe. maybe. The, uh, I don't know if it'll catch Something scarier the monkeys. about the jungle Sure. I mean, there's bugs. jaguars and monkeys and all snakes. Did you see anything like that? No. We did, see, uh, we did see a taper, though, as we were going through, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. One of those little anteater guys. But anyway, so I, it appears to me as like a nexus, and it's and nothing much is happening. The phone? <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there a, a nexus? Google phone? phone? <laughs> no, but it's like a vortex, let's say, like a vortex, and it's kind of swirled with some different colors, purple, and it's just kind of waiting there for me. So I was like, well, I guess maybe I should ask something to come through it because nothing really was happening. So I'm looking, and I was like, all right, I'd like to be, you know, if anything's out there on the other side, you know, please come to me. And I say that to myself in my head. And then bursting through comes this huge dragon. Like this giant 10, the dragon head was just 10 feet right in front of me. And it was a silver dragon in the kind of medieval stylings. And it had fluorescent green and blue highlights. And smoke was coming out of his nose. And he was like clearly a fire-breathing type of dragon. And he goes, he comes right up to me. And he goes, uh, so you want to change the world? And I go, Yes. And he goes, why? And he's like flaming coming out of his mouth. And I was like, because that's what I'm here for. And he goes, la, ha, 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 and laughs. And for whatever reason, I decided to take him like never-ending story. And I just hopped on his back. What? At that point, yeah. So I hopped on, the, I hopped on his back. And, uh, and he starts cruising, you know. And we're kind of cruising through. And he goes, so why do you want to change the world? This sounds like a kid's movie. I know. It does, right? It was a fully never-ending story. And I go, I go, uh, to help people. And then I thought that was a pretty good answer. And he goes, are you sure? And then right there, he, like, shows me a cross-section of my life and all my actions. And what he showed me was is that even though ostensibly I do a lot of things to help people, there's always a serious component of propping myself up, my own ego, my own persona, my own kind of establishing my own self in the world for you know egoistic and pride reasons and he just showed me this like lucidly clear you know that there was a mixture of of my actions you know and it wanted to that's with all of us yeah and he wanted to have me be aware 
that of where that boundary line lie and not to trick myself or confuse myself in thinking that you know what I was doing wasn't also for my own benefit so I was like all right dragon <laughs> like like one point for you and then he so we're, we're cruising so then we keep cruising and he starts to really get heated in the mouth like flame was trickling out and he goes is uh what do you want to destroy and he like swoops down and I was I was sure he was ready to just fuck some shit up so I was like ignorance and I thought he was just gonna lay the ground with fire you know and instead he goes shouldn't that be what you want to heal and I was like yep I guess you're right dragon so he was really like challenging me in these answers that I gave him which was a, a pretty interesting kind of experience you know for for this other entity to be clearly you know showing me different sides and teaching me things that I clearly wasn't quite aware of maybe you, know? you were maybe, maybe you somewhere in the back of your head were aware of you know your shortcomings or yeah. not even not even shortcomings just slight bullshitting yeah exactly you know? so he wanted to just carve away all that nonsense and then and then show me the rest so the dragon I was still on his back and he drops me off in the woods Right, so he drops me off in the woods, and I and I'm walking through the woods. Okay, so you wait a minute. How did you get to the woods, though? I'm on the dragon's back. Full okay. never-ending story. Imagine the no, dog. No, but are you but really in the dragon. woods? You're really in the woods. I'm in the jungle, but the, whatever. This... How did you really get there, though? I mean, you uh, really didn't fly around in a fucking dragon, did you? Well, in my mind, I did. You did I was cruising on a dragon, and but, then all of a sudden, he drops me off, and I hop off. I don't, I don't know the the details of how I got off the dragon into the woods, or not I wonder clear. what was really going on while you, th what, what I have seen. Are you on the dragon now? <laughs> I'm off the dragon. <laughs> the dragon let me off. <laughs> what would, uh, I wonder what I would see if I saw you doing that. Would you just be walking? And I'd be like, what are you doing? He's probably like, sitting dragging down. Yeah, teaching I was... me so much about myself. <laughs> like, what fucking dragon are you talking about, man? Yeah, exactly. So anyway, so he, he, I dismount from the dragon somehow and I'm in the woods and I see a bear. And the bear has a big giant crown. This sounds like a terrible idea to be tripping your balls off in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. And wandering through the woods by yourself. And I'm assuming it's nighttime too, right? Yeah, it was nighttime. Well I'm I'm laid out. This is all happening in this is all happening in my mind. Okay, so you're not even moving. I'm not even moving. Okay. No, I'm fully okay, so you're I'm not, fully you weren't actually in the woods. No, no, okay, no, 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 good. No, I'm I'm on my back in the jungle in the physical world. And oh, then in the okay, in my mind's better. eye, yeah. Now I feel bad. My mind's eye, so I I'm, thought you were I'm saying you were walking around for real. <laughs> that's a little scary. Yeah, that's a little scary. So I get dropped in like a forest, and it was like a woodsy forest, like a Colorado type forest, different than the jungle. And uh, I see a bear, and the bear has a gold crown on its head and a bunch of gold chains all over it. Like Mr. T-Bear. Mr. T-Bear, exactly. And the bear is kind of struggling, and I see kind of like a ghost of the bear, like the spirit of the bear, and it's trying to leave the bear's body. It's trying to, like, venture out, but it's stuck. And then the bear catches sight of me, and that's the crazy, another crazy thing about seeing these beings. It's like the bear, like, turns to look at me and, like, notices me. You know, it's not like he was waiting for me there. He's like, oh, here you are. You know, like, you just showed up. So he turns to me and he goes, I remember before uh, this crown and all these chains when I was just a bear and I could run free in the woods. And I was like, okay, okay, I get it. And basically what he was trying to tell me was is that, you know, don't ever let money and wealth or anything tie you down and, like, keep you from your freedom and expressing what your real nature is. You know, and, and it's really kind of like a Buddhist sentiment. That That's a me. difficult thing for people to do. It sounds like such a, a noble task when you're poor. 
The real yeah. problem is once you actually get money. You know, one of the big things that happens to people when they get money is they they're scared of not having money, so they start doing things they think like um, like they'll like. Especially like I see this with comics, they like start saying things they think people want to hear, mm -hmm. or they start uh, you know like avoiding any sort of controversy that might get them in trouble, yeah. or moving away from anything that might be controversial because they want to keep this money coming in. Yeah. You know, I got a career now. I got to keep my career coming in. And the bear becomes no longer a bear in this yeah. analogy. Bear's you know, got gold chains on, looking like a retard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Did this wow. bear ask you for a picnic basket? <laughs> he, he might have. It got <laughs> real gay. It you. did get real gay after that. I mean, I, tried to fuck so, you. I, so at that point, like I, I don't know, I somehow was able to like free the bear's spirit after he said that, and we went like frolicking through the woods. So it was your, real gay. He was your boy. He was my boy after that. So we like wow. cruised around. And then the final visitation from this being is I was cruising through the forest, like hopping over logs. It was very like Robin Hood cartoon style, you know, right. little John and Robin Hood through the forest type of program. And then so up, you know, and then I, all of a sudden I see an eagle up in the sky and I'd like raise my consciousness to the eagle. Anything, it was really like a dream state. So anything's possible, you know, so I just kind of float up to the eagle and the eagle looks at me and I'm cruising along. And the eagle says, do you know how I see so well? And I said, no. He says, because I see through everybody else's eyes. And I took a moment to sink in. And what he was showing me there was that also often when we try and imagine what people are thinking or feeling, we have our own bias. We don't actually truly see through their eyes. Like imagine what their fears and motivations and weaknesses, even the people that we don't like, we always see them with this kind of biased look like, oh, that dude's a fucking idiot. But, you know, if we really try to get into their eyes, you can learn something about that person and learn something about the world by actually dropping all of your kind of own ego and really assuming the eyes of whatever else you're, you're trying to look at, whether it's an animal or a person or something like that. I've tried that. I've tried that with a lot of people. I try that especially with people that I don't like. Yeah. I was trying to figure out how they got that, especially once I had kids. Mm -hmm. Once I had kids, then I started looking at people completely different because I looked at them as babies and became adults. So I looked at this weird process. Like I used to see yeah. someone who was weak. I'm like, you, it's a fucking weak bitch. What's wrong with <laughs> right. you? That's what I would think. And now I look at them like, oh, wow, what happened? How'd you get? How'd you get to this spot where you don't, you know, you don't have any courage or you don't have any whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is, yeah. or you hate or you're, you know, you're racist. What, what, whatever's broken on you. How'd yeah. you get there? Yeah, and, and that's a really it. valuable way to do it. And also, I'm sure for comedy, you know, you have to put yourself into the laughers eyes and consciousness to a certain degree too right i don't know man that i don't try to do yeah i just try to do shit that i think is funny and yeah. i hope that they, <laughs> they agree because yeah. i could not i mean it's too, it's too many people too know? many yeah and, too, and, too much of a different swath of people yeah and too many people have their own take on what's funny and what's not it's like what happens when you get a television show and uh, then you get a, a whole slew of producers that have an opinion over what the character should be doing and what what's funny and what's not funny mm -hmm. then it almost always goes to shit i mean until yeah. one strong voice sort of takes over it's very hard to express your own sense of humor yeah but try to express the sense of humors of a bunch of other fucking bunch of people. other random people yeah 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 that makes sense but you know i guess so for me there was these three lessons from these three clearly seemingly you know different entities and yeah. uh and so yeah the, the question is you know were these part of my own consciousness teaching me these lessons or were these did they all have the same voice no 
the dragon they all like, sound the same the bear and the dragon were close but they're the dragon was really i couldn't even mimic that voice it was like that booming like you're too close to the festival speakers oh. bass kind of voice and the bear was just like uh, like a man bear man voice <laughs> i don't know and the eagle was the eagle was a little bit more normal but uh, but yeah, similar similar voices. I, I mean, if you had to fuck one of those animals, which one would it been? <laughs> I <laughs> find it just for pride. <laughs> I, yeah, I just say you did it. I I find that that's those themes reoccur uh, with me over and over again. Just when I eat pot, those 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 themes, all yeah. the themes of um, of reality. You know, what are you? What are your? What's your real motivation when you're doing things? What is your uh, what's your real experience with other people and how much how much of like disputes you have with people? Uh, how much of it is your fault? Yeah, you know, so I would think that if you would take a hallucinogen, you know, I'm sure you have the same thoughts. You know, you try if you try to better yourself, you know, if you're trying to move your life in a more positive direction, you're going to have the same sort of key stumbling roadblocks i think you mm-hmm. know in the in the, the mind like how, how much of my ego is holding me back how much of my perception of reality is distorted and that's sure. holding me back sure so you would think that a, a a drug you know if it was just something that would make you see jesus or dragons you know that maybe that's what it is like these themes Mm-hmm. And that it's it's spelled out to you because the drug thinks you're an idiot, so it's like show him a bear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it comes to you in a way that you. Can and we understand. are idiots. I mean, the, the, I mean, no, I don't mean that in any disrespectful way at all. But when I uh, feel one of the things that I feel most certainly when I do uh, DMT or, or something along those lines is that I'm a fucking idiot. That's one of the. It's a humbling experience. Yeah, it's very. It was, humbling. I was extremely humbled after those visitations because you think that you got it all right, and then it yeah. shows you someone like the dragon comes along and just is like, uh, nobody. Like you were a little off. Yeah. So here's the truth, and now come to terms with it. And you're like, oh shit. You can't have it right. It's yeah. part of being a human. You know, the, like the Dalai Lama doesn't even get laid. He doesn't have it right. <laughs> yeah, that's he true. doesn't have it right. Yeah, he's, he's never gotten. He doesn't fuck. He doesn't fuck. <laughs> he doesn't get his dick sucked. Yeah. He doesn't get his balls. And that's why with. he's not an effective leader. How yeah. are you fully gonna trust? Get out of here, stupid. Do you know, I don't think he eats meat either. He can go fuck himself. Do you think of like <laughs> those crazy homeless people though that are sitting there talking, having full-on conversations with dragons? Do you think that's there's a big connection to actually? feeling that and seeing that and opening your brain up to that to that guy it's a real it's a real good question really and you'd be uh disingenuous to uh to not address it because i think the the what we said before what's going on with those people in our medical idea you know the medical community's uh, version of it is that there's an imbalance it's a chemical Mm -hmm. imbalance they have issues they have whatever it is they're psychotic they're they're you know paranoid schizophrenic whatever the 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 diagnosis is we're going out on a limb and saying there's some sort of chemicals that are out of whack there Mm -hmm. well it's the brain's just a soup of chemicals. It's in the neurotransmitters, receivers, whatever the fuck the brain itself is, the neurons, all of it together, mushing around. If one of those is out of whack, you know, and one of those is out of whack because you're crazy, or one of those is out of whack because you're at the at a hut in the fucking jungle, right. and you took some crazy shit, which is a soup of some roots that fucking blow your neurotransmitter levels out of the water. Like, right. this shit's coming out of your ears. 
I mean, what is what what's really happening there is it might not be much different than what that guy's experiencing at the bus stop. Well, I mean, the the con the quality of content is certainly <laughs> a little different. Well, certainly, your brain is a healthy brain can bring you back to baseline on a DMT flash in fifteen minutes. Ayahuasca is a little longer because it's absorbed by the stomach, and so it's sort of a slower process. The, what what ayahuasca is is an orally active version of dimethyltryptamine, which is the most powerful psychedelic drug known to man, which is also produced by your own brain. Yeah, that's the weirdest part about it is that it's in all these different plants. It's like in grass and all these fucking leaves and squirrels make it. Yeah, like, sure. It's, like it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, it is. There's a small amount in everything. The, yeah. the leaves that they choose in the jungle, they choose a leaf called chacruna, which is one of the strongest DMT containing plants in in the jungle. But actually, there's other plants like the acacia plant from Australia, which has an even much higher DMT content and you can make an ayahuasca out of other different things like you could use a Syrian rue and acacia to make a different ayahuasca type brew yeah and you have a different experience and you have a different quality different of experience. visual experience yep. well that was one of the things they say about the um, uh, the idea of the psychedelic experience is that when you're taking it you're taking in the experiences of all the other people who have also experienced mm -hmm. a psychedelic drug and as you do mushrooms you are actually contributing to the library of mushroom experiences sure. yeah the the collective unconscious of all of that whole, it becomes the spirit of the mushroom or the spirit of the ayahuasca that's you, generally how they talk about it you know where else that acacia bush is in large quantities israel Oh yeah! Oh, and the burning that's bush. That's what they believe yeah. was the burning bush. That most, <laughs> yeah. this is scholars believe this. Yeah. Legitimate guys who aren't even psychedelic scholars, because those are slippery scholars. Those yeah. psychedelic <laughs> scholars, <laughs> some of them, some of them a little sketchy. But um, this, there's a, a recent thing where these guys from uh, some major university in Jerusalem were talking about how they believe that Moses receiving the Ten Commandments from God and God taking the form of the burning bush was most likely a, a bush that contained psychedelic chemicals. Like makes he's sense. smoking the acacia bush. <laughs> makes sense. It totally makes well, sense. So many of those mystical experiences make perfect sense if yeah, you put them in that Yeah, category. if you put them in a psychedelic yeah. drug perspective. I mean, that is the most obvious one ever, though, okay? Yeah. It's a burning bush. They're, they're, not, they're not calling it anything else. It's yeah. a burning bush. And it just so happens the acacia bush has the highest concentration of DMT. Of any plant in the yeah. world. And yeah, and it grows all over the fucking place, <laughs> yeah. right where this dude saw God. Yeah. You know, but what bush do you think it was burning? It was probably <laughs> that bush. Yeah. I bet if you burned a bush and fucking got over it and sucked it all in, sure. I bet you would see the same shit Moses sure. saw. Especially if you were hungry, if yeah. you were walking around fasting or doing whatever Moses You're tripping your balls off anyway. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a great many of the re religious experiences that people have had can be um, connected to psychedelics, including like Mayan art and Egyptian art. Because sure. one of the creepiest things that I've found is that, uh, especially on mushrooms, I have seen a lot of like Mayan things. I've seen like a lot of like Mayan imagery and like freshly painted Mayan uh, hieroglyphs. Mm -hmm. Like you see that sort of imagery and you wonder what came first, the chicken or the egg? Because you know these motherfuckers were eating mushrooms like yep. crazy. I mean, they, they were living in the jungle where these things grow. They look like dinner plates, yeah. if you've ever seen them. And Mexico had one of the richest traditions of, of mushroom use. Sure. 
you know, that's where Gordon Wasson first found out about it and all these different shaman in Mexico take people on these journeys to, you know, the spirit world using these, uh, these, these fucking dinner plate sized mushrooms. That's one of the interesting thing about the psychedelics that make it seem like it's not your mind. Like someone can take ayahuasca anywhere in the world, the desert, the mountains, the city, whatever. And they're almost always going to have similar visions of snakes and the jungle and these jaguars. different beings, jaguars, always goes back to the jungle. You know, mm. how is that? How is that possible if it's just solely being mind created? It seems like that's where it gets weird. And that's why even with these beings, like, you know, I was laughing with, uh, with Mitch Schultz. I was talking to him the other day and, uh, and we were, we were saying, you know, if the LeBron James of ayahuasca came along, he could go to these entities and figure out what they do when they're not teaching people shit, you know, if they're real. Because they, whenever they appear, they're always trying to teach you something or tell right. you something. Like, what do they do? Do they, like, hang out and play around, like, play board games? Or, like, what do they do in their life? Like, how do you get to that point where you can experience more than just taking a lesson? And that would be the way to determine whether these are just you know ways that your mind is communicating with itself or whether these things have a life outside of this didactic purpose that they have it feels like you're popping your head into somewhere you're not supposed to be <laughs> it does. that's what it always feels like you're like oh, what am i doing here and they're like what are you doing here yeah, you know? yeah exactly oh you're back oh you're <laughs> back it's weird that they they communicate with you and sometimes in sentences and, and words you've heard before. Yeah, it might know. be a a delay in your inner conscious. You know how you you can like if you listen to your inner conscious talking and imagine the drug just slows down your ability to uh, receive your inner conscious voice. It could. and so it sounds like it's somebody else, but it's really yourself in your inner conscious talking to yourself. It could yeah, be, could be. yeah, it you could I mean? be. It could be a lot of different things for sure. You know, um, it. I think one of the first DMT trips that I had, one of the, the weirdest feelings about it all was that it, the idea of being connected to everything sounds like such fucking hippie bullshit. It sounds like nonsense. You know, say, we are here, but we are connected to everything. It's, I'm not feeling that. You know, mm -hmm. I, don't, I know that that might be real, but for whatever reason, I don't really feel that. I don't feel the subatomic particles. I don't feel the atom. I don't feel the cell. I don't. I just feel me, and I know that I'm breathing air. But I don't feel the fact that the air is connected to the, all these. It's all a soup of things. Yeah. But when you have the DMT experience, one of the things that it does is it strips what, whatever you're experiencing while you're tripping your balls off. It strips away the physical presence of things, and it's almost like the world of you know here's the ground and here's the air and here's a tree and here's a building that world is replaced by a world where nothing has any matter yeah nothing has any physical matter but everything is everywhere yeah everything is everywhere and you're in the middle of it and there's no ends and there's no beginning there's no roof there's no floor it's just one thing it's all a part of one thing. And you're in there scrambling, trying to make sense of it. And these things come out of nowhere that are essentially constantly changing as you're watching them. So you're not even sure what the fuck it actually is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it might be your own mind. It might be your own mind trying to make sense of the whole thing. But and they're trying to give you information. One of the things that they try to tell you is to try to... To stop, don't freak out and try to suck it all in. Try to take in as much as you can because you know this is crazy. And um, if they tell you they love you too, that's like it's always a big thing. Like love you, like uh, the one experiences that I had, they they sang to me like a child. They had this song, uh -huh. "I love you six hundred million five hundred thousand times." 
which is like how a kid would say something. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they would go, "Look at this," and then they would show me something fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. Something where you you couldn't look at it, like it was too beautiful to look at. Yeah. And then it would say it again, like "I love you six hundred million five hundred thousand times." Yeah. Look at this, and every time it was look at this, like I was cry. I remember crying. Sure. Because what I was looking at was too impossible to to nothing could be that beautiful. And every time they would say, "Look at this," it would get a million times more beautiful. Yeah. It was it was just taking my breath away. I couldn't breathe. I was like. It was very, very strange, but it was it was very, very, very positive. The the mm -hmm. experience all over was very positive, and so much of it was like, dude, relax, yeah, relax. Like this whole thing is, first of all, way beyond your control, way bigger than you think, and it's gonna be fine. Like <laughs> yeah. that was like that was like a big <laughs> yeah. a big theme. That if anything that I learned from it, uh, I, I learned that I learned. I think I did. I got. I think DMT made me a nicer person. I think I learned how to chill out more. Sure, it's really valuable that way. Actually, the, just speaking about what you were saying, that so the third time I drunk, I didn't have any particularly crazy visions, but for three hours, I like the the hut that I was in. Everything else melted away, and I felt myself dissolve into the floor of the jungle. And I was like, the, the bugs, worms and yeah, shit? the bugs and the worms were crawling through me. Uh, like the air was, it was like I was no longer a physical being, and I was absolutely one with the jungle. And I was asking, I was like, hey, does the dragon want to show up? Does anybody want to come? <laughs> but nobody wanted to come. It was just like literally three hours just breathing with the jungle. And I left that, and I was like, it was just a really grounding and connecting experience. But it was almost at that point. I think the message to me was like. You know, we're done teaching you silly little lessons like, wow. you know, take this, be grounded, be humbled, be connected, and go off and, and do, you know, do your work. Do what that you was need to do. Ayahuasca's version of get it together, bitches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it was just really so peaceful. And so but I remember, you know, all of the things that normally would creep me out, the creepy crawlers of the jungle. You know, you look at the ground in the jungle and it's alive. You know, it's there's moving, ants constant, moving. Right? Yeah, all kinds of shit. That was that was me. That was in my body and I was just totally relaxed and disintegrated and that was a really kind of powerful medicinal effect the vine of thorns sliding down a vine of thorns yeah, to your na death naked naked that was the fucked up part. i was like why do i gotta be oh. naked like why does it take my genitals first like oh what God. reason and it's just shredding, <laughs> just shredding them how much shredding pain them. were you in you you don't feel the physical pain, but you you You're have horrified. that kind of horror. Yeah, the horror of your genitals being mutilated as you're oh, sliding down God, a vine of thorns. So it, it can get intense, but you just gotta you gotta remove yourself from that kind of angst, you know, and just witness and allow. That's the mantra. Anybody who's going through any of these experiences, just witness it and allow it to happen. Wow, whatever it may be. But you know, I, I the last experience I did was the aboga experience, and this one really kind of drew some counterpoints to those two experiences. They're so wildly different. And I think I touched on this last time because I was fresh from a boga, but um, ayahuasca will show you some things that you have no fucking clue what it means. Like one of the visions I had after the dragon, the bear, the eagle, is I was on this Viking ship and I was rowing through this sea, this moonlit sea. You know, I'm like, all right, sweet, I'm on this ship. I, I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden the ship peels out and heads straight towards the moon. So we're going straight towards this giant blue moon and this moonlight is like, bathing me and then this purple orb comes drifting out of the moon and it's drifting towards me drifting towards me and i open my mouth and i eat it just and then i was like wow that was significant that must have done something but i 
nothing happened. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was Tripping like, your balls off. That's it. That was it. And then the whole time, even to this day, I mean, the best explanation I had was maybe it had something to do with like the feminine energy of the moon, but I don't fucking know. I have no clue if that had any meaning at all or if it was just some random trip. Did you, did you say the feminine energy of the moon? Why would you think the f- moon would be I don't know. Feminine? I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm right. reaching for straws just reaching. here. Just yeah. reaching for straws. I mean, that's, but that is a funny thing. it is feminine. Everybody you know? uh, loves that 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 feeling, that way of disting- distinguishing things, the feminine energy of the forest. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? But you know, but that's the difference between a boga. Like, a boga will tell you, like, hey, what? it doesn't bother with the pictures of this strange moon and this purple orb. Mm-hmm. And be like, yo, this is the truth, like, and it's in kind of your own voice. But ayahuasca will give you things. I mean, some things were very poignant and you know taught me a lesson, like the things with the allies. But there's all these other visions that you left, like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, you know. So it can be a, it can be a, a challenge in in some of that some of that regard. But the physical experience you feel, how connected you feel, how cleansed you feel, because afterwards, after that third session, he took one of his cigarettes. Uh, the nicotinia rustica cigarettes and he blew it like down my spine and like on the top of my head and in different key parts and i was like i wasn't even that nauseous that whole time the third time i felt very comfortable i got back to the room and just fucking lost it like i felt like i was heaving some giant ball of something from like the depths of my soul i don't know what was going on it hit my mouth so hard that i exploded vomit from my mouth and my nose and there's nothing worse than stomach acid and old ayahuasca blasting out of your nose at the wow. same time. And at the same time, my eyes are watery. I can hardly see. There's no electricity in the bathroom because we're, you know, there's, there's, they run the generator like three hours. So then I have to like turn around and like blast some shit in the toilet too. And it's like this brutal, like savage cleanse. Wow. You know, and I and that somehow it seemed triggered by whatever kind of you know, cigarette cleansing thing he did the next day because I saw him the next morning and he just had this big smile on his face and he asked me in his broken English and Spanish, you know, how was last night? And I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, and he's like, tobacco and just nods and laughs and pat me, pats me on the back and keeps The keeps tobacco walking. makes you throw up and shit yourself? I don't know. I mean, whether it, the tobacco is a vehicle for some kind of trigger or whether it itself did something, whatever it happened, I had like the most intense purge that i've ever had in my life like savage and that was his intention while doing it so was, was it menthol <laughs> it does have a different maybe different it wasn't smell. tobacco you know maybe that was what he he like quote unquote yeah, tobacco seriously. it was really some kind of poison roofied you son <laughs> but it was it was potent and that's uh, that's something that i think that's why they call it the master medicine because you feel like you purge all of these different poisons from your body jesus christ it seems like you should be able to do that in America. Yeah, absolutely. It's so ridiculous. You have to get on a canoe to do this. Absolutely. You yeah, know, go all the way to Peru. You should be able to do it in Peru, Dallas. Peru, yeah. <laughs> she should be able to get totally. a nice hotel, get a steak, you know, yeah. go somewhere nice, a resort. It's just, it's really preposterous. I mean, the, so to think gross. that people would be abusing, I mean, it's not fucking fun. Like, right. it's, it's valuable. It's medicine. It's like you do it with, uh, you know, with, 
with intention. Nobody you know? gets through it unscathed. You're gonna learn something. Yeah, it's like I don't, I don't. I've never heard of anybody that has had like a real deep psychedelic journey that didn't come back and go, "Wow, well, I gotta fucking rethink everything." I've never. <laughs> I don't know anybody that has yeah. a real one. Yeah, you know. I mean, if you and if you don't, Jesus Christ, what fucking hope is there for you? <laughs> right. You know. Right. You, you goddamn dullard. <laughs> If you're, uh, you know, if you're able to do that in cities, if there was places where you could go, get your shit together, we'd have way more people with their shit together. Totally. We it's really the, would. It's the counterbalance. It's like the yeah. way to counterbalance all of this, you know, living in an apartment and yeah. you know, grinding in strip malls. And, and doing shit you don't doing like. Sh yeah, exactly. Doing shit you don't like. Because it doesn't, doesn't mean that every, you know, everybody can't live the perfect life. But guess what? You're not everybody. Okay. The world's going to keep going. As as it always has, with or without you, it's gonna be going. There's too many. You're not that important, okay? So if if that is the case, it is a, a, possible for you, you the individual. Then again, this whole thing might be your imagination. I might be a creation of your imagination. As you hear this, I might not even exist, okay? I might be here just to get these words into your mind, to so somehow or another you zig left when everybody wants you to zig right. You know, there's just maybe yeah, that's, that's that what it is. Brain in a vat, skeptical. Yeah, I'm not real. I'm not real. I am. <laughs> You're I am real, Joe influence. Rogan. God damn it. You're real. I am the influence for you to, to stray from the herd. You know, you know how they, uh, there was an old debate. You know, that was, that was a popular debate for a while amongst philosophers. The are we real? How do you know if we're real? Mm -hmm. And there was a famous case where one philosopher, someone was, you know, going off on that. How you have no, you don't know that you're real. You don't know that I'm real, whatever. And he takes off his glove and he slaps the guy, <laughs> slaps the guy across the face. It was like, was that real? <laughs> and that maybe kind of not. The debate. He might have fucking needed that guy in his imaginary words, slap him in the face, that's so he could get anything done. But that's the that's the only way you can effectively combat that argument. It's a weird idea, man. I mean, you think about you're you're tripping your balls off on ayahuasca, and certain people are seeing Jesus. You know, and then other people are seeing jaguars, and they're seeing things they're scared of, or things, things that they revere. These ideas. I'm not convinced that the imagination only has the power to create things, then manifest them in the real world with actions. It might have a, a, a secondary power. It might be have a, an actual power of creation. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what the fuck happens when you leave my house. I'm pretty sure you get in your car and you go to your, you know, life and you go and do your thing and hang out with your girlfriend and get in your car and and I'm pretty sure you do the same thing. But I'm not positive. Yeah. I'm not really positive about any of this. And I'm not positive that as you move in a certain direction, that you know, you're the you're the same person every step of the way. You're the same you. There might be an infinite number of yous with every single decision you make branches off into another you and another way and another version, another reality, and all these realities intertwine with each other, and then we meet. You know, that's why sometimes when you run into someone, it's like you've been on a path and you've been on a journey and this motherfucker has been on a different thing. You know, not the same as you, less, you know, less self-objective, uh, self mm -hmm. less uh, self-analytical and, you know, maybe maybe self-destructive. And then you're around them. It's like, how did I ever hang out with you? Like, you're, <laughs> we're li we live in a different world. Yeah. You kind of do. Maybe you kind of do live in a different world. Maybe you, you I, the idea that time is this one flat, linear thing that we're all sort of living our lives in, in this one sort of band. Maybe that's not real. Maybe it's like just like the DMT dimension. Maybe it's just a 
fucking great big giant soup of potential universes that are constantly shifting. And we just flip back and forth from one to the other and move through them. Like a ghost. Yeah. That's a, it's, it's so hard to say. I mean, I, I particularly like the paradigm that the shamans have there, in which case they describe you know, all of these different dimension, dimensions as the layers of an onion, and each person as a toothpick that pierces all the different layers Ooh. of the onion. And Ooh. so that you're occupied in your consciousness on the first you know, tangible layers, which encompass the first through the fourth, you know, space and time, basically. That's what you're conscious of. And then the fifth part of the toothpick is you move up to another layer. That's the dream state. That's the collective consciousness. And then the sixth and seventh uh, dimensions, those have the, the disembodied non-human entities that you interact with, like the floats that I found were from the seventh. They would call the dragon and others, other these other things that you see, you know, the people singing you child songs. And those are mm. beings of the sixth dimension. And then the eighth dimension is this kind of oversight dimension where you can actually manipulate all the dimensions beneath it and see, you know, see everything. It's like the highest vantage point where you can see and uh, the dimension of imminent possibility where you can basically do what you're saying with your imagination, believe things into reality from the eighth dimension, you know, has imagine it, things into reality. Has anybody ever had an experience from the eighth dimension where they imagined some reality and then manifested it and then wrote about it? Um, I, this is where the I shamans, got this idea. Yeah, the shamans, the shamans do, you know, and have, and that's where they say they got the idea to create ayahuasca, and they get these, they get these messages and these different herbal treatments, and you know, it's from these eighth dimension teachings that they have. But you know, again, I think there hasn't been enough of that, but it's because there's not enough fucking people who have the skills able to do that to also not only get there, but then communicate the idea to a mass market, you know? I mean, it's just such a limited swath of people who are able to access that dimension, A, and then B, to have that, to cross-section that with the amount of people who could then think of something, bring something back, and express it, it starts to get really small numbers, so. It's so funny how many people who are productive members of society, who are interested in personal growth, who are all disciplined, getting their shit done, would never consider doing drugs to further themselves. Yeah. They would never even consider the possibility. Yeah. And it sounds like bullshit. It sounds like a, an excuse to do drugs. But really, the greatest leaps I've personally experienced have been after Absolutely. psychedelic trips for sure absolutely you know i was watching the i watched the ray kurzweil documentary transcendent man have yeah. you seen that one oh, yeah and uh it occurred to me you know he's always looking for these different technologies to answer some two basic questions one he wants to conquer death and two he wants to kind of revive his father's memory i mean those are big overriding forces he also has a lot of altruistic goals and he's an absolute genius no doubt about it but He's overlooking some very basic technologies that have been around forever. And these technologies are the psychedelics. Like, I really truly believe that you can look at those as a technology, you know. And the technology of ayahuasca can get him over his fear of death and show him that, you know, there is an eternal part of him and everybody that's going to extend past this meat sack that we're currently walking around in. But he's ignoring that technology because he's bought into the lie that this is a drug and this is bad. You know, and, and the aboga technology could get him direct access to the memories of his father. So even if he wasn't really talking to his father, I haven't made up a decision as to whether you're actually accessing these people or just conversing with their memory, he's at least going to be able to access the memories that he's trying to 
bring back through technology. He'll be able to access them. He'll be able to communicate with his father and Maybe find have his own closure. have yeah have some cathartic peace from those from those experiences. But because you know some body in their higher knowledge has said, oh, these things are illegal in the United States where, you know, they're legal in different places, but illegal here, he's completely ignored those technologies. And it's been, you know, something uh, that's really sad for his life, maybe good for all of ours, because he's been rabidly pushing forward other technologies to get there. And so he's advanced humankind dramatically, where maybe he wouldn't have if he'd had, had access to these other things. But it's really interesting how a genius like that can be so focused on one area and then just ignore something that's so right there in front of them been around for thousands of years well it's almost impossible to know everything about everything i mean it is yeah. impossible to sure. know everything about everything and you know a guy like that is obviously very driven and very successful and mm -hmm. he's a he's a guy who works very hard he's a very no-nonsense sort of a guy yeah and i think that guys like that they look at drugs as being a way to derail yourself yeah you know it's a self-indulgent sort of self-destructive activity propaganda yeah poor fools yeah propaganda it's a it's a bummer i actually had another thought this is kind of changing the subject a little bit but i think i have my I developed my own version of the singularity i think you know he has a very kind of technological kind of view of when that's going to happen when man and machine become indistinguishable and you know i, I follow a lot of what he's saying i think that you know, I think that nanotechnology could eventually take over the immune responsibilities and the, you know, computational responsibilities that we currently have. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Right. Um, but I don't believe that's really the singularity because I certainly do believe in an eternal part of us. And I think that the real singularity is going to come when we advance to the stage where we can consciously take that eternal part and choose which body we want to be in and whether we want to be in it or not. So we... That whole death, you know, the myth of death when, you know, we think we die and we think it's all over, that's really a transition. When we transcend that and we can just take our spirit and say, okay, I'm going to live in this body for a little while and then, okay, I'm done with that body. I'll take, the, take my spirit and push it into another body. And so that consciousness never experiences the memory loss, never experiences that lack of connectedness with everything else. I think for me, you know, that is the, that is the true singularity. And I think that singularity would come when the really push the advances in this kind of psychedelic exploration you know i don't think that comes from technology maybe we do have to extend our lives another 500 years to be able to get there you know and technology can help us extend our lives for 500 years or whatever but i think ultimately the big advances that are going to take us to that complete paradigm shifting level are going to come from you know, manipulating molecules like DMT and how they interact with the brain and transcending and being able to master these altered extra states of consciousness. Yeah, I think that the technology is sort of a psychedelic experience. It's just a really mm -hmm. slow moving one. But it's a, what, what psychedelics do is they dissolve boundaries and they create the impossible in front of you and that's sort of humbling to the ego mm -hmm. and uh, provide you with a limitless source of information. That's the internet. I mean, the internet, the internet, that is psychedelic defined. The internet is psychedelic. You know, it's just, it's not a big hallucination. So we sort yeah. of mistake the concept of what, what is psychedelic. But the, the technology, for sure, is changing everything and providing people with things that, to them, uh, will be a regular part of their everyday life, but 
just a hundred years ago were impossible and science fiction and insane, mm -hmm. you know, and then it just becomes normal and you just get used to it. If we stay alive for a million years, what is this going to look like? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, it will look psychedelic. It it'll look like a goddamn DMT flash. The world will look like something that we can't even wrap our heads around. We all have Google goggles on and we're walking around reading each other's auras and you know there's new scanners that they're introducing at the TSA that are going to be able to uh, scan what you've had to eat that day like literally there'll be something like oh, many, is, that for, so many is that for like drug mules that are for swallowing everything, for everything cocaine yes. balloons for not only that well they'll be able to tell if people are high they'll be able to tell if you're intoxicated if you're drunk if you're on pot whatever they'll they'll be able to scan what your a fucking, fucking disaster molecule. oh yeah well, that's what it is. This lack of privacy is no longer a problem, but it's now a reality. It's 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 slowly changing from you know like what are we going to do when the government can read your email to everyone's going to be able to read your email. You know, it's there's not going to be any information that you can share or that you can hide. Rather, it's going to get to a point where every thought that you ever have is able to be accessed. It's going to be ones and zeros. Another brick in the wall. Yeah, it's going to finally reach the convergence. That's the real technological singularity, right? The idea that we all converge. You know? Yeah. Uh, but they're not not with some not stupid. with some from malicious bad parent running no. the fucking show like well like, like we have right now yeah well yeah. That, we got to figure that out <laughs> that's that's got to they they have to catch the fuck up because the only reason why they're a malicious parent is because they're ignorant they haven't had sure. these experiences which is why I've said before like you should never be a fucking president or any kind of leader unless you've had a massive psychedelic experience <laughs> yeah and people say that that's ridiculous I mean to the uninitiated me saying that is like oh that's Rogan being silly, <laughs> you know, he's just talking nonsense. The fucking cage fighting commentator, he likes extreme shit. Yeah, no, no, rationally, you like, who the fuck are you to try to change the world unless sure. you haven't improved the world? You, you don't even, yeah. you're gonna just keep playing the same stupid see, goddamn see what, game. See what the fucking dragon has to say about indefinite detention. Wouldn't you, know? you love <laughs> to see Barack Obama, just a, a, a fucking hut filled with. <laughs> Barack yeah. Obama, George Bush Jr., George Bush <laughs> Sr., Wolfowitz, Rumsfeld, and they're all ayahuascas. The they would be puking out little well. fucking demons. I'd rather see them on ecstasy. That'd be hilarious. Uh, yeah, but on ecstasy, they're not going to, I mean, they'll be nice to each other for a few hours. It'd be awesome. And then they have headaches and fucking nuke somebody for it. <laughs> yeah, then the serotonin will deplete themselves and they'll be fucking more cranky than ever. But if you got them on like a real session, a five, five or six session, month long Fuck journey yeah. just Fuck take yeah. it leave them out there and just, at the end of it how do you feel mr wolfowitz <laughs> yeah just thinking about all the millions of deaths they've they've caused that could have been avoided all the babies they, in Iraq with no they may legs. not they may not come back from the jungle they may yeah. feel like they just fucking can't yeah. they're gonna come go back. for a walk until a jaguar gets them that's it sacrifice themselves even a jaguar probably wouldn't get dick cheney <laughs> Like, what am I going to do with this old motherfucker? <laughs> Jaguar, does he probably like, want to eat people that are that old? Yeah. This is poison. Old cheeseburger-eating douchebag probably smells like ass. Imagine how bad that smells to a Jaguar. Yeah. Couldn't be good. On his second heart. <laughs> <laughs> the Caymans would get him. They, open they, they don't up. give a fuck. Caymans will eat anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they will, right? Yeah. They're... They don't get that big, though, do they? Not too big. How no, big they're is not that, They're not that scary. They, they can get like 10 feet. Ten feet, yeah. But ten feet still, can kill you. Ten feet could kill you, but they're not that. They're not that aggressive. They're, they're not, not like, like crocodiles. The, yeah, they're not like the crocs. Yeah. It's weird how parts of the world, like some parts, just develop too much cattle. 
They develop too many unulent animals, too many hooved animals. And they're like, all right, bring in the monsters. <laughs> yeah. We gotta get the monsters have to chase down these fifty mile an hour running cows and kill these fucking things. I mean, everywhere you look that has too many cows, too many, you know, too many whatever it is, whether it's antelope or water buffalo, there's crocodiles, there's wildebeest, there's yeah. crocodiles, there's lions. It's, it's all like it's almost like nature goes stop. Just does you fuck you fucking cunts. You won't stop eat, stop fucking and eating grass. All right, yeah. all right, bring it in. Send the monsters. But in you know in the the Amazon, there's no cattle. You know, so they're like, yeah, little crocodiles, little ones, mm-hmm. little caimans, yeah, snakes and up, shit. Clean yeah. up the fish, snakes. Yeah. We don't we don't have like herds of cattle wandering through the rainforest that you have to minimize. No, there is a very you do get a very balanced sense, you know, like like it, nature got it right there when you're in the jungle. You know, like every inch is covered in life, and the life is all kind oh, of yeah. working together. It's pretty. It's a pretty cool feeling. It's sad as fuck when you fly over the areas that have been chewed up. Mm-hmm. We we flew into Brazil, and there's areas we fly over where you can see where they've uh, chopped down big swaths of the, the rainforest, mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, that's no joke. Like that's a lot. Like they they've cut a lot of fucking trees down, man. Yeah. And that rainforest is not growing back where they cut it down. I mean, it's not. It doesn't grow back there. It doesn't. No. It dries up, mm-hmm. and that's it. It needs the moisture. I mean, it's like a self-sustaining sort of an sure. environment. The rainforest is, and when you chop it down, it's not like it just builds back up. Now that ground gets dry there because it, it's constantly exposed to the sun. It changes everything. It changes the whole ball game. Yeah. It's really. Uh, it's really sad. It's really kind of fucked up. How many years would it take to grow all that back? Eventually, it would grow back. Would it? Seven. And would it eventually? <laughs> I mean, would it? I mean, I, think it I, well, I don't know if it would. I mean, I think, you know, where the Nile Valley is used to be at one point in time a rainforest. Yeah, it used to be lush. Look at it now. It didn't grow back. It became fucking sand, a desert. That's true. Yeah, weather patterns might have had something to do with that, but. I was watching a fucked up documentary on Neanderthals that may or may not be bullshit. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's bullshit, according to uh, a lot of these uh, science people have debunked it. But it's really cool. It's too bad that it's bullshit. <laughs> because the, uh, he wrote this thing about Neanderthals uh, that we sort of, um, I think the word is anthropomorphize. You uh, sort of give uh, animals human characteristics. Right. And uh, he compares a human skull with a Neanderthal skull. It's really fascinating. That that first of all, you know, we have we see images of Neanderthals, they always look like people. Yeah, with like you think kind of Geico caveman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Which the, is like Ari on a bad day. A but, <laughs> but we're very different looking than Neanderthals. Neanderthals have much larger eyes and they're much higher on our head. They're like where our forehead is. Yeah. It's weird. They look they would look weird as fuck. If you saw a Neanderthal in front of you, it wouldn't be like, oh there's a dude, you know, that's on his way to the movies. He'd be like, what the fuck is going on there right and this guy made them out like the other thing is that um you know we always assume they have white skin and uh he made versions of them like a artificial version where they had black skin like a gorilla and they were super muscular Mm -hmm. and you know his idea is that it was uh we were at war with neanderthals until the intelligent humans figured out how to uh how to overcome them but like look at one of the images this motherfucker put up his idea of what a, a Neanderthal face would look like. Whoa. Yeah. And he's like, they would have big, like, slit eyes like a cat so they could see at night. Their eyes were much larger than ours. And they were using tools, and they were intelligent, and they probably hunted us. It's like Avatar. 
It looks fucking yeah, badass. But the apparently apes. there's very little little to support this guy's theories. And it's he's most likely gone silly and went like super <laughs> sensationalist with all this. Yeah. But uh, it is kind of cool. So the Neanderthals idea. Were, was a terminal chain of its own in the evolutionary. Like the branch that, yes. happened, that created Homo sapiens happened earlier. And mm-hmm. then Neanderthals was some terminal node that died out, right? Well, like they we were didn't the ones... evolve from Neanderthals to anything else. Exactly. Right? Well, we well, see, it's, I don't know. It's, it's all very sketchy. But Neanderthals evolved in Europe. Homo sapiens evolved in Africa. That's uh-huh. what we know. Um, but we also know that a lot of people have a certain percentage of Neanderthals in them. So we don't know what happened there, whether we fucked they them fucked. or they <laughs> yeah. fucked us or <laughs> both. Yeah, uh, or both. But if they looked like this, it would be pretty freaky. If they really did look like giant I mean, how many gorillas. Pe- how many people wanted to fuck the blue avatar chick? I mean, people I would do it for her. sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. That big crazy blue bitch. For sure. so Especially if you could be in that big blue body. <laughs> yeah. be in a, d- a dude's body. She was sexy, man. She was. There was something about her. The Navi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many people got depressed after they saw that movie and wanted to live in the Avatar world? You know how weird that is. It was definitely idyllic. That was, but that was like a real issue with people. For they got sure. Avatar depression. For sure, we still long for that that sort of noble hunter gatherer existence. Yeah. You know, we still long and for the, that. And the connectedness, you know, the yeah. sense of tribe. We have a we have no fucking sense of tribe anymore, really. Yeah. You know, we're so just This is as close to the tribe as we get. Yeah. Friends. A couple friends. Yeah, we don't even live near each other. He has to drive a fucking I see him four days a week. He drives like an hour to get here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we're nowhere imagine if you had a walk, we're nowhere near our friends. Yeah. You know? And that's and that's so, you know, I think that's so important and so much of what's what's missing and allows people to get so fucking off. Like yeah. I saw, I was just going, I was walking through a TV and I hate seeing local news shit. And it talked about some dude who had his wife like chained up and was like beating her with a hot frying pan. And I'm like, oh, I fucking hate hearing that because it makes me so mad. But I'm thinking like, you know, if there was a tribe, if that meant that only exists because he was allowed to live out on a farm and mm-hmm. nobody fucking checked on him but if you were yeah. in a tribe that shit doesn't happen you know yeah. it's like where's your wife i haven't seen her for 10 years you know and i hear fucking <laughs> hissing and screaming oh, from your hut Jesus you know Christ. like you can't you there's a, some kind of stuff that the tribe would have taken care of that guy you know it would have been yeah. like you are a fucking sick dog go back to the source like you're done yeah you're done you know and and it's that true. just doesn't happen there's no kind of and that's an extreme example. I mean, easier examples are the people who are bummed out and depressed and can't talk to anybody or can't do anything or can't have that social contact. I saw something else on the, I think it's disinfo.com site, where this woman started a, a service where she's charging like $60 to snuggle for like an hour, you know, in, in like a New York or city. She's going like to get that. raped. Yeah. <laughs> she is. But it's, people are so fucking isolated from yeah. other human contact that it's seriously depressing. $60 them. to snuggle. Yeah. No 60 one's going to just snuggle. want that snuggling. <laughs> Some people tease. need it, man. She's teasing. <laughs> if she's hot, I'd do it. 60 yeah. bucks? Of course you would do it, but you would try to fuck her. Maybe sure. see this bullshit. Maybe they're hookers. Man. Yeah, they just start maybe, off with maybe. snuggling. But I know, I know Make that sure if you're a, not a cop, like a, if you take a baby monkey away from the human contact of the of the mother monkey, you know, if it can't like hug up on it, they've done studies about that, and the monkey gets fucked up. It's like yeah. terrified. It's all fucking whacked out. Yeah, you know, I think a certain amount of contact and interaction is what our species is made for. And isn't it ironic that the larger the species group gets, the less contact it has with yeah. each, each other? 
I mean, the, 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 you would think that there's 300 million of us, fuck, would be interacting with each other all day long, constantly, never get away from each other. It's almost like that technology is trying to bring us closer to a tribe. Technology, by dissolving secrets and boundaries, is trying to bring this gigantic group back together again as one, as, as one individual unit like a tribe. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a weird problem that we have with the fact that technology is just fucking taking off faster than our biology can catch up to i agree i agree you know and i don't i don't i think it's real hard for people to be happy in the reality of today's world because just physiologically well first of all monogamy you know how many people struggle with monogamy how many people struggle with uh you know the, the idea of uh, the responsibility of being a parent how many people mm -hmm. struggle with the idea of the you know the fact that you have to sustain some sort of a living and in, in, in an existence it's it all seems like something you don't want to do yeah but yet this is what everybody's doing everybody's getting the house and paying you got a 30-year commitment to pay the x amount a month and mm -hmm. you got to work or they're fucking take all your your house away and everything you paid will go to nothing and you're fucking doomed i mean if you look at the way a lot of people are forced to live this life it's so completely and totally unnatural but so completely and obviously designed to keep this machine moving in the same direction. Because keep this machine mass-producing technology, mass-producing innovation, and moving it faster and faster and further and further. I mean, that ultimately, everybody's like a little worker bee trying to push their segment of technology further. Yeah, but it, it's the consciousness not is happy. starting to yeah. reject it. You know, yeah. I mean, you're starting to see the casual the casualties have been around for a long time. And they fill those with antidepressants. Fill them with antidepressants. Yeah, keep them in the system. Keep them going. Yeah. But at a certain point, people are going to get fucking fed up again. And I think that's maybe what this whole change in consciousness that people are talking about. I think that enough. I think that actually may be real. I don't know if it has anything to do with what the minds were talking about, but you can kind of sense something different's happening now. Well, know? I think just the fact that we're, we've been bombarded with truth for the past, you know, who knows how many years now. Yeah. You know, we're constantly bombarded with reality and information, and that's just such a, a strange time where there's no running from reality. Whereas before, people could just sort of live in the dark or go super religious or, you know, they could block themselves off to giant chunks of what really you know, makes the world tick. Mm -hmm. You can't do that anymore. Now it's it's all sort of people are becoming too empowered. They're too too filled with information, too aware, yep. and it's slowly starting to. F you see how it's balancing itself out in the, the financial world. Like people are going to jail like crazy yep. now, yep. and the lawsuits are coming down like crazy. There's a, you can't hide information the way you used to. Mm -hmm. You couldn't that that Bernie Madoff dude. That guy that guy could have rocked that shit for a hundred years back in 1910. You know, right. and he could have rocked that shit. Until the wheels fell off, and, and no one would have suspected it coming. But in this world, in today's day and age, it's like it's not that easy. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. I think there is a yearning. Actually, I don't know if he could have rocked that shit in 1910. I think, I mean, they would have probably caught him either way. I don't think that Enough was a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a yearning to get back to that kind of community sense i mean as you said while you can connect with a massive amount of people online i mean so much of the interaction is 
also pretty fucked up too you know like Cunt, fucking yeah, loser yeah, yeah, exactly. kill yourself and it, you feel it's not like interacting with the real person where that where you would never say that to another person because you would see him a even if you were stronger and could kick their ass you would see him get sad and it would be like you'd feel bad hopefully unless you're just a fucking total monster but you know there's this check and balance of real interaction versus cyber interaction that yeah social cues, yeah. yeah feelings that you get from talking to people <laughs> When you can just anonymously, uh, anonymously lash out at someone with no repercussions whatsoever. Yeah, but have you been to the county fair? That's all it's about. You know, there were so many fucking people out there. It's just stupid people out there, you know, and you really see the it. The county certain, fair? Yeah, like if you go to like a hometown Midwest county fair. No, a lot of it is people just having fun, man. There's going to be a few dickheads. But whenever you get large gatherings of people, there's always a few dickheads. But it's not most of the people. Uh, go to Ohio. Go to a county fair in Ohio. <laughs> is Ohio a different world? <laughs> it's totally a different world than Los Angeles. But how is it a different just world a, as far as the county fair? Oh, just just go there, I guess. <laughs> it's I just I've been, awful. To, I've been to a few rodeos, and they're pretty friendly people. Yeah, they just like what, are you, uh, what are you experiencing? Just what the are you dumbness, the dumbness, the, the, the caveman-type species that lives in certain areas of the United States where you're just... So Ohio is mostly idiots, is that what you're saying? There's a lot of them. There's, There's a, lot a lot of them. So when you go to a state fair in Ohio, you think you're just seeing a lot of idiots. There's because I mean, there might be Columbus, there might be Cleveland, and there might be Cincinnati, but there's a whole lot of other space around those areas that you're like, who lives here? I think the majority, at least eighty percent of them, are cool. I think you just you're dealing with a small group of loud people that you know become yeah. a problem almost everywhere, uh-huh. and a lot of them are fucking probably. What, what, what I'm saying though is alcoholics and hate mm-hmm. their life. And what I'm saying though is that if if you, you see these people that are just idiots and retarded on online that are just yelling out cunt fuck blah blah, those are the same people that you see. You know the worst, the worst. Uh, you see those people in real life too. You just never see them because we're here in Los Angeles. Well, not just that because you avoid them because you got a good social circle. You know, you, you know yeah. where to go and where not to go. And every now and then it crosses over and you wind up hanging out with some morons yeah. or getting stuck with some morons. That's why I fucking wish that the states had full autonomy because I think you would start to actually, at that point where federal government could give up, the states could make cool enough laws and have a cool enough system built together. Kick cunts out. Yeah. Well, it just, <laughs> they would, you know, people would be attracted, the right kind awesome. of people. You know, if like, a state could be like a message board. People would <laughs> yeah. We could just ban people in real <laughs> lives. Like, well, they they would get, get close to you. The sense of tribe, I think, would come back. You know, there'd be a unity between the governing body and the people, and they would be like, I fucking love my state. Like, not just from some strange patriotic pride, like, yeah, you don't mess with Texas or well, whatever Well, I think else. eventually you're going to be able to walk up to someone and, and, like, mouse over them. You'll be able to like put your cursor over them, and you'll be able to read all their information. Hopefully, they'll Except have people like be a, lying motherfuckers with their cursors. Hopefully, hopefully, we'll have Yelp for people, and you'll be able to see. <laughs> oh, Aubrey has five stars. He's a really cool guy. We could take him anywhere. And we so like California is only letting five star people in. If, if, you're, if you're a douchebag, you can't go. And, you know, and this guy shows up. Well, I'm a fucking good Christian. I'm a good guy. As long as you're not gay and trying to get married. Like, and you see, he's got two stars. You're like, come on. Stupid. There's there's people stars. on Yelp that 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 I don't know how. They got on there, but there's people on Yelp, and there were people revealing people like as if they were a business. Oh, really? But there's people on it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> like I haven't checked to see if I was on there, but uh... <laughs> well, you should be able to review the person that's reviewing, and if the person reviewing only has two stars, your their review shouldn't count. Right, right. shouldn't count. We're like, well, she's a cunt. Look, of course she hates me. <laughs> she hates herself. She hates everybody. 
can't yeah. counterfeit. Speaking of hate, everybody. Somehow everybody would just fucking cheat that system. Do you out. know this Daniel Tosh situation? Do you know what happened with Daniel yeah, Tosh? Yeah, I talked about it. Yeah, but we didn't talk about this. And this is what's hilarious. This woman wrote a blog about this. She wrote... She, she's Tosh she 2.0 or whatever, that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's getting in trouble for this. He's forced okay. to apologize to this asshole. And this woman wrote a blog about it. A completely delusional blog, by the way. He's asking... This is what Daniel Tosh did. He asked... Um, he asked... What is this? She said, oh, I would find out this is Daniel Tosh. At the time, I thought he was just some Yahoo who somehow got a gig on After Cook. I honestly thought he was an amateur because he didn't seem that comfortable on stage and seemed to have really awkward presence. Fucking useless, fucking idiot, writing a blog. Anybody can write a blog. So this, this dummy, Tosh is... Um, uh, asking people like to throw out questions, mm -hmm. so they they're throwing out you know like what what should I talk about? And someone says rape, and he goes, oh yeah, rape. That's really funny. Yeah, what what what's funny about that? The humiliation, the violence. You know, he's like saying ranting on things. The reason why rape isn't funny, right? And so some woman yells out, actually, rape jokes are never funny. This 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 dumb cunt that wrote this blog yells this out. So he says, wouldn't it be funny if you got raped by like five people right now? Which is really funny. You know, he doesn't really mean right. that. He what he's trying to do comedy. is he's riffing and you're interrupting with some self-righteous horse shit. Oh, oh, you're saying that rape is bad? Is that what you're saying? Oh, Jesus. You're at a fucking comedy club, you asshole. And this woman writes this. She writes this whole fucking rambling, self-serving article about this. And now, because of that, he had to apologize for her because he joked around about rape. Yep, that's raper. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's gonna get her mind raped on the internet, I'm sure, because it's so beyond stupid, you know. And she's like, "We were shocked. We couldn't believe it. I demanded to speak to the manager. You demanded to speak to the manager. This is what I said. We we talked about in the Ice House Chronicles. She should be fired from ever going to a comedy club again. They should take a picture of her, and every comedy club in the country should agree that this fucking dummy is no longer allowed to go to comedy clubs." Put a picture of her. Yeah. You're not allowed. She in. comes to the door. Blow your rape yeah. whistle. It's like yeah. <laughs> just it's, it's an agreement when you go to those places to just leave that shit behind. You know? Go there to laugh. Go there to laugh at the taboos that you think are so sacred that you can't even touch them. You know, things that you're afraid of, things that your fears, death, any of this stuff. You go there, you laugh, you talk about it. It becomes less serious after that. I feel more bad for Dane Cook, who has this as a fan. <laughs> Poor guy. Can you imagine this being one of your fans? Well, apparently, Dane Cook, um, Burt Kreischer was just choking around and said, uh, Dane Cook is going to live tweet while my show is on. You know, just joking around. And Dane got so much fucking hate mail, like hate tweets right away. And then Burt Kreischer started reading them. It's a lot of fucking people that hate Dane yeah. Cook. Like, there's a lot of negativity attached to being that dude. Yeah. And, and he just got bummed out, like, and told Burt to please leave him out. This whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, you t when tweet was about him like yesterday, whenever oh, Bert's show sucks. aired. Yeah, if you tweet about, you know, Dane, it's going to just a certain, for a certain number of people, that's a free shot. You're allowed to attack Dane Cook. It's like Minstelia. 
Mencia, that poor fuck, he is a he's a fucking duck with concentric circles of varying yeah, colors. Built, see, red, white. <laughs> <laughs> he's a duck with a target on him. I mean, that's what but he, he is. He built his Every, karma, yeah. right? Dane oh, didn't. Yeah. Dane, I don't I haven't heard anything that Dane Everybody had to builds build their karma, karma, bro. Everyone tweet Dane Cook that he has beautiful lips. <laughs> Everyone tweet Dane Cook that he's a big sweetie. He's a big cutie McCuterson. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. That sucks, man. I, you know, the Twitter is pretty fucked up. How how that shit can turn on you and just ruin your whole entire day. Well, what's fucked up is that you know anybody can sort of be anonymous and you know call yourself. I mean, there's a lot of pictures of on Twitter of fake accounts where it's like a hot chick in a bikini and like, please follow me. I'm a big fan. And like, you look at her profile and it's her repeating that over and over again. They they're like a business. Yeah. And they'll they'll do that and they'll say, oh my god, I just entered into this amazing contest for a free mm -hmm. jet ski or whatever the fuck it is yeah sure you know and they you know there's there's a bunch of people that run like there's this one dude that i know that runs thousands of fake twitter accounts and when he wants to spam something out he spams the, the same message on every single twitter account this is why i found it out i went to one i went to his because i knew that he was scamming people so i went to his twitter account and i said let me look at his tweets and then i looked at some of his tweets were responding to people so i was like well what is he responding to and then i would go to the responding page he's responding to himself he's writing the same shit on all these different pages they all have the same message and then i i i, I followed the chain like a few dozen times to like gave up but i just kept finding people and i'd go to the other one and it was the same thing yeah. it was the same messages all the same tweets and i was like i wonder how he has this automated is he like it's a program is it you think so? yeah oh yeah yeah There's not... how spammers use it when you say certain things like if you say magnabox or whatever you say yeah toshiba They'll, you'll suddenly get like best Toshiba prices in town. Click here for more information. You know, a spam from Twitter. They'll do that. Yeah, there's there's robots that just sit there and look for certain keywords in the timelines. They and stuff like that. Did you Whoa. hear what? Did you hear about the the most the biggest Russian spammer from a, from a few years back? Is this huge Russian spammer? And Russia told him like he was somehow operating within some basic rules, so they couldn't go after him legally. So they kept telling him to stop, and he was like, ah, oh, fuck you guys, fuck you guys, whatever. He's making a shitload of money. They found him beaten to death with a computer. <laughs> oh, my Russia. God. Yeah, you can, look, you can look that up. But I was like, all right, motherfucker, you forget where you're from. We're wow. in fucking Russia here. You know, yeah. Don't tell me fuck you. You, you know, can't we tell say, you to stop. You can't you say fuck stop. you in Russia. You better hide, bitch. <laughs> yeah, beaten to death with his computer. Yeah, they have totally different rules over there for how they deal with shit. You yeah. can't just get away with stuff like that. I wonder how they deal with hecklers. <laughs> I mean, they have like Russian stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Probably harshly. I had a I had a funny <laughs> okay. story. A, a stripper was telling me about um, she had some Russian stripper friends who she was who she was stripping with, and some girl something something whack happened. Like she got in trouble for giving a hand job on the floor of the strip club or something like that. So she's bawling in the in the in the room and the Russian stripper goes up to the girl and goes, You want to cry? You fucking cry alone. Get out of here. <laughs> like that's Gosh, just bitches. the fucking that's just the Russian way, you know? It's like Yeah. You fucking hard. get your shit together. They're hard. Hard bitches. Yeah. I give three hand jobs at the same time, one with foot. <laughs> yeah. Stop crying. And then I send money home to Mother Russia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's uh, sure. parts of the world that are cold and dark, dude. 
living over there. That's why I have, I have a, a few friends that have dated Russian chicks, and I always feel like like they they're getting swindled. I always feel like something weird's going on. Like there's yeah. something mercenary happening here. <laughs> they're so fucking you know? hot. Though. Well, yeah, this is a, I know a guy who's Russian who's gay for pay, and his boyfriend he's straight. But he's this Russian guy, mm-hmm. and his boyfriend is this uh, rich gay guy. And this rich gay guy buys him nice cars, puts him up in a fat apartment. I mean, really takes care of this guy. And it's so that he he has sex with him. I don't know what they do. They blow jobs or whatever. I don't know how he rocks it. But the guy's straight. And when I found out about him, I'm like, damn, that motherfucker is like a Russian whore. Yeah. He's like he's like a mercenary dude that's willing to suck this old guy's dick. You get the feeling that there's some kind, of, some kind of harshness <laughs> of life in Russia. Like yeah. even when you used to see Fedor fight, you know, just the kind of calmness that he came yeah. out there when his imposing physical violence is about yeah. to come. It's like whatever he's been through, so much fucking scarier than yeah. the giant that he's about to fight on the other side of the ring. That I mean, you get that feeling from from everybody. Not everybody, but a lot of the people over there. Like life is so harsh that what what you think would be intimidating is just like, oh, but, yeah, you know. they're not really that concerned with yeah. fights. Yeah, yeah. Just a fight? Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Easy. Did you see his last fight with Pedro Hizzo? I didn't. No, I missed that Dude, one. Dude, it was Good, brutal. Huh? It was brutal. He, it's, it's almost too bad that he's retiring now because his stand-up, since he started going to Holland, his stand-up has really improved a lot. Mm-hmm. It got a lot better. His... He, he threw some pretty high-level shit at Pedro Hizzo. First of all, he had Pedro staggered just from the speed. He's really fast yeah. for a heavyweight because he's not a big heavyweight. He's like 230 but with a, a high percentage of body fat. Mm-hmm. If you had him lean, he would probably be about 205, something yeah. like that. And so he moves like a 205-pounder. I mean, a, a really fast 205-pounder. So he, he his brother was fast as fuck too. Good hands too. Yeah, brother's a lot bigger though. Mm-hmm. He uh, but he lit Pedro Hizzo up, man. He hit him with a leg kick and then he faked the leg kick and threw like a Superman hook, and cracked him on the jaw and then just unloaded on him on the ground. It's hard to watch, man, because Pedro Hizzo is one of those dudes that's been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah, if you watched a highlight reel of all the times Pedro Hizzo's had his life turned out, uh-huh. it's really hard to watch. Yeah. You know, the Gilbert Ivel fight, the, you know, the Josh Barnett fight. There's a lot of fights over and over again where Pedro Hizzo has been really hit hard, really scary knockouts. I mean, how many can a man endure? It's, that's where it begs the question. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, uh, I think a lot of money and a lot of science is trying to figure that out with these concussions that they're trying to explore. If they can figure out how to fix that, that'll change the prize fighting world totally yeah no people don't have to worry about brain damage anymore if they can just sort of stick a needle inside your ear and inject some stem cells and your brain rejuvenates itself people would just do extra shots though to get smarter they'd be like fuck (laughs) fuck alpha brain yeah (laughs) i'm gonna take a chance on overgrowing my head (laughs) but what if that backfired and turned autistic or something be a little scary yeah. I wonder if they're going to be able to eventually figure out a way to regenerate brain cells because that's a real issue with people with head trauma. It's just big parts of your brain just are not the same anymore after massive concussions, especially if you've had multiple concussions. And like football players and, and especially fighters in training, that's the big one. There's a guy who died recently uh, in an uh, unregulated MMA fight, and he got triangled and uh, tapped from the triangle and was no head trauma at all in the fight. Went back to his locker room and uh, and was watching some fights, 
and then someone heard some moaning and they looked over and he had collapsed and uh, he wound up dying and they um, brought him to the hospital and when they did an autopsy on him that he found it was uh, blunt force trauma from about a week ago mm -hmm. so it's something that he had sustained pretty sure that's what they had decided it, it wasn't from the the fight they were, they were they were pointing to something that had happened in training like yeah. a week before and then like, the adrenaline dehydration, yeah. a little well, bit of a blood restriction. When from Travis Luter, Travis Luter fought Marvin Eastman. Marvin Eastman had gotten gotten knocked out twice in training. He got KO'd twice in training. And so when Travis connected with him, it wasn't even like the hardest punch in the world. It was weird. He like caught him on the end of a punch, mm -hmm. and Marvin just went completely unconscious, like instantly. It was like whoa. It was one of those weird ones. Yeah. Like what's going on there? Same thing with Forrest Griffin when he fought Anderson Silva. Mm -hmm. He had been knocked out twice in training too. That's that's crazy. Those guys are crazy. Like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You're getting KO'd twice and then you're gonna get KO'd again. I mean it's but you know, you sign up for a fight, you know, you sign up, you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing and you know, if you get KO'd in training, man, that's just tough shit. You yeah. just you just suck it up and you and get out a, there and fight. It's a fine line between having to believe that you're gonna win no matter what, and then also being realistic and being like, Yeah, I yeah. should probably bail on this. Well, very few guys know when to bail. That's the hardest part. The hardest part is knowing when to walk away. And everybody wants to walk away with a win. You know? Mm -hmm. The hardest part is like figuring out what the fuck to do with your life next. Because when a guy is trying to be a fighter, he really doesn't have a whole lot of options. I mean, these you're doing one thing, you know, and while you're doing that one thing, that's all you can concentrate on. It's going to be your whole life, period. And then all of a sudden, it's not your life anymore. Now you got to find something else. You also got to match that excitement level. Impossible. <laughs> I mean, how are you going to do that? This is the most amazing spectacle on the earth. You know, you yeah. versus another man while millions watch, and you know the triumph and all those emotions. I mean, you'll never be able to duplicate that. Yeah, it's almost impossible unless you become like some crazy downhill skier dudes where they drop you off of a helicopter. A and skier, yeah, those guys are out of their fucking minds. Yeah. What is that? Well, how long ago did you do your recent? Uh, this recent trip like how was it months ago or weeks ago or uh it was like uh two yeah, weeks I ago talk, i talked to uh, bob about it already yeah they, they don't have it up yet so they, oh, they were, don't they were asking me about oh yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah oh i'll just tell you folks we're doing a show wednesday night ice house 10 p.m main room big yeah. room yeah tickets will be on the yeah website. probably uh ari does ari have anything wednesday night i don't know um definitely me and definitely brian and yeah we're gonna be in calgary this week too not um, me not you. Brian doesn't. I don't go to Canada. You never take me to Canada. Do you want to come to Canada? Fuck yeah, Vancouver. All right, fella. <laughs> Next time I go to Vancouver, you're coming. Um, but we're doing the Jack Singer Concert Hall in Calgary. And the first show sold out, but we're doing a second show. And that's almost sold out. But uh, some tickets are available for the second show. It's me, Duncan Trussell, and Ari Shafir. And that's this Friday night. So it is, uh, it's about as close to Death Squad as you can get without Joey Diaz and Brian. <laughs> But Joey Diaz is not going to make it to Canada. <laughs> Canada has very, very strict laws about criminals. And when you got kidnapping with firearms, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no dice. They're, they're like, yeah, I know it was a long time ago, Joey. He's like, listen, I'm a different guy now. I got 11 cats. Come on. They won't let him in. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Canada. I can't bring Joey Diaz. But 
you can always sneak in and hang out with us. We're we're at the Ice House all the time. We've had a bunch of Canadians and English people and people from all over the world come down and hang out at the Ice House, which is really cool because the Ice House is one of the oldest clubs in the country. It started in 1951. I mean, it's uh, was that right? 51 or 61? Uh, it's been 50 years, so I don't know. So that's not even... I don't know. Whatever it is. <laughs> I think it's, think it started off in the 50s, and then in the 60s, it became a comedy club. I think it was something else before that, like some sort of a jazz club or something stupid. But um, either way, it's an amazing old club that's run by some really cool people. They have the nicest wait staff, and it's in Pasadena, and we do shows there all the time. So we'll be there this Wednesday. And Do you have a show there Friday? I haven't decided yet. Oh, see, we're casual about that kind of <laughs> shit. But what we usually do is like last week we had oh, yes, Greg I do Fitzsimmons. Have we had Greg Fitzsimmons, Dom Irera, Ari Shafir. It's that kind of lineup. It's like all our friends that are in town, we, we have them come down. You do have one. I do have one Friday at 10 p.m. Is it in the main room or the small room? Small room. room. The small room's pretty dope, too. Yeah. The small room is only like 85 seats. It's like super intimate. They have two rooms at the Ice House. But it's just like there's so much history in there. Like the other day, uh, I, I went in there with Tommy Chong. And uh, we we were we were there too. We Cheech and Chong yeah. with Chong, Tommy Chong. We, yeah, we Cheech and Chong with Tommy Chong. <laughs> we really did. When you get awesome. when you say you get high with Tommy Chong, man, that is it's cool legit. as fuck. Legit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we went in there, and it's like you could feel when you're standing in that room when it's dark and there's no one on stage and there's no one in the room. Like you could feel the energy that's been transmitted in that building. Like mm -hmm. that's that's cool. a place where decades and decades of stand up comedy has gone down. So we're there uh, this Wednesday night, and you can get tickets at icehousecomedy.com. Uh, just click on the link for Death Squad. It'll, it probably isn't even up yet. Just call them and tell them you want in. They'll yeah. look it up. They'll sell you a ticket. They'll figure that shit out. Use your credit card, you dirty bitches. Our shows in San Diego were amazing. We had Jim Norton stopped in for one yeah. set. Doug yeah, Benson. Norton didn't even want to go up. He's like, oh, I don't want to go up. I don't want to ruin his pay time. I don't want to go up. I don't want to He's so crazy. I'm like, go up. These fucking people would love to see you. Of course, he went on stage and went crazy. Yeah. American Comedy Co. Uh, support yeah. that comedy club. If you live in San Diego, it's amazing. We're talking about maybe going yeah. once a month now, doing a death squad down there or something. So. Yeah, the club is the shit. The American Comedy Club the company. It's called the American Comedy, comedy Company. Com and yeah. it's 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 a, literally like the perfect setup. You walk in, low ceilings. It's set up great. What's, what's the dude's name from San Jose? That, uh, oh, uh, yeah, that guy. That guy. And uh, saw William H Macy there last night. He uh, did. Yeah, he was talking right out front the front door. Like I came out. Oh yeah, he's there for that show. Yeah, he was at Comic -Con. Uh, Comic Con for um, what is this show? Did you see that? Show? He's got a show about a loser family. Yeah, I can't remember. It's hilarious. Uh, Breaking Bad was also there though. It's staying at the hotel next to the one the I was staying at. From the whole. The whole, whole cast? cast was there. Really? And then on the hotel we stayed at, Sons of Anarchy was in the whole entire yeah. thing. Yeah, when we pulled up, I had to like ask them if I could park because there was like a red carpet thing going on. Yeah. I was like, is the valet still open? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to sneak by the red carpet, my fucking car, and park it. It's weird. It was like both things were going on at the same time. Yeah. It was still actually a hotel, and they st you know, still had this weird thing going on. I met Beetlejuice, too. Have you ever met that guy? The guy with that really, really tiny head that used oh, to be from Howard from Stern. Howard Stern? No, I never met him. Wow, that was interesting. Oh, I did meet him at the airport once. I met him at the airport in Atlanta, I think with Ari. Oh, yeah. wait, no, I, I was there with you. Were you there? Yeah. yeah. Remember but, that? Yeah, I never said anything to him. We just saw him or something. Just tell him yeah. to talk to him? Yeah, this time I talked to him, got a picture with him. I was like, can I get a picture with you? He goes, you do what you got to do. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> do what cool. You gotta do. <laughs> San Diego is a pretty fucking badass I place. I live there, except for the... The military thing. Military, weed, and... Uh, 
I don't know the hot blonde thing. It's tons of blondes down there for some reason. Is that bad? What the fuck is no no no? I mean no no no. I mean that's not <laughs> terrible, a bad thing. But it, I did notice it's really weird that there's a lot of blonde people. Yeah, I, I was looking around and it's like every single person has blonde hair. It's to counteract Mexico. It's like <laughs> just military. You know, they're gravitated towards that area. They don't even know why. It's a gene pool balancing out situation. But yeah, San Diego is a fucking awesome town, man. I love it there. It's one of my favorite places to go. But it really is bizarre that they have, like, La Jolla has these 30, 40, 50 million dollar houses, giant estates overlooking the water, 20 minutes from Tijuana. Yeah. yeah. 20 minute drive to Tijuana. We had a bunch of Tijuana people came to the show, you know. Yeah. I didn't know it was that easy to just oh, drive yeah. over. They do it every show. Day. I made the drive a few times. But you're, if you live in Tijuana, you could drive over to America and just see a show. Absolutely. What's the, really the line? How do they the keep line you to get across just, the border is fucking yeah. serious. Though, how would but. they keep you from just staying? I guess they don't. Yeah. If you're a legal citizen, well, I mean, eventually you're. You, you don't you have to live, live, you know. But you don't have to have a visa or anything I to come over. You just just hop over. We we met a lot of people from Tijuana. There was like five or six people at the show mm -hmm. that came from Tijuana. They were fans of the podcast. It was weird. I was like, damn, you escaped. You're here. Stay. <laughs> don't go back. Why are you gonna go back? <laughs> I like it down there. I, I wish we could live down there. It would be Tijuana? really, yeah. No, no, San Diego. <laughs> Bold there, choice, Brian. I like that, that island. Bold I, like Coronado that, Island. Yeah, you just go on that island. There's mm. just people playing playing softball at this park, and you're just oh. on this island. And it's just well, that house island, is beautiful. The island's one of the most expensive pieces of real estate in the country. I could tell. Yeah, that island has some insane houses on it. That uh, the, that's where Donald Rumsfeld lives. Wow. Yeah, it's fucking... You can smell fire and brimstone <laughs> as you drive over the bridge. Yeah. A lot of rich That's industrialists funny. and all sorts of uh, fancy pants folks live on that island. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's, a, that's a real rich spot. San Diego's got a lot of rich areas, like La Jolla. La Jolla is gorgeous. That's uh, where the comedy store is. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing town. Beautiful, man. When we used to stay there, I'd be like, I would always figure, like, can I live here? Whenever we would do, like, comedy down there, I'd be like, can I live here? It's only two hours away. Why can't I live here? Like, it just two, seems... If you're lucky, two hours. Yeah. Four and a half for me. It took yeah. me four and a half to yeah. get to the show. No doubt. No doubt. Well, should we talk about a little Onnit stuff before we yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, wrap definitely. this up here? Yeah. So latest, uh, latest news in the Onnit world. We got uh, the new Alpha Brain formula, which is a, just a slight tweak on the old Alpha Brain formula. Basically... The acetylcholine mechanism remains exactly the same. You have the Huperzia serrata as the acetylcholine esterase inhibitor, and you have alpha-GPC as the raw source of choline to raise your uh, acetylcholine levels. And then uh, for the dopamine mechanism, we're using L-tyrosine, which is the basic source amino acid for L-dopa uh, instead of mucunipurians. Um, much more you know, research behind L-tyrosine, and uh, it just seems to be a preferred ingredient for that. And instead of the um, supplemental GABA, we switched that out with L-theanine, which is actually why when you drink green tea, you don't get that kind of hyperactive feeling that you do from coffee necessarily, because green tea contains natural L-theanine, which is related to the GABA mechanism and kind of keeps you from getting too hyper. And uh, that's, again, going to temper that kind of very, a little bit manic effect of the mental speed and that kind of focus that you get from the, the uh, acetylcholine. Um, and then we added uh, phosphatidylserine, which is a great ingredient. Got a couple cool studies with phosphatidylserine. One was which was um, measuring the accuracy of people off of a golf tee driving towards a hole 135 yards away and found statistically significant improvement in a double-blind study for the people taking phosphatidylserine as far as hitting the ball straighter. 
And what they, what they found is that it just helps reduce mental fatigue. It's a natural nutrient that's found in brain cell membranes. I'm going to use it to rape Dom Herrera in pool tonight. <laughs> yes, you should. Max, by the way, Max <laughs> Eberle, one of the best pool players, a great instructor, is just raving about Alpha Brain. Yeah, right he now. sent me a text. He loves it as well. He loves phosphatidylserine yeah. as well. He's been using that for a long time. So uh, he's, he's super pumped about it. So. Well, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that this is a, a, a new frontier for a lot of folks. You know, a lot of people uh, aren't really aware that there are a bunch of different nutrients that have shown that they have a positive effect on your brain function. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, I guess everything else remains the same. The AC11, our uh, proprietary antioxidant that comes from the rainforest herb, cat's claw, um, that they concentrate some of the alkaloids and really help you kind of clear away some of your mental fog. And then uh, the Bacopa and the B6 to help uh, help round out the formula. But um, getting just great feedback on the on the new formula again just a slight tweak for any of those who've uh, been fans of the old alpha brain but uh, definitely uh, just a little bit better on all fronts and then we have the uh, the strong bone and joint formula which we came out with which is new and that's focused around the uh, the mineral strontium and uh, New England Journal of Medicine study from 2004 uh, showed that the people taking strontium ranolate had a 41% decrease uh, fracture risk as far as developing the bone density. And that's because strontium is one of the key minerals along with calcium that's found in the bones. And a lot of our processed foods have eliminated the natural strontium content. So it's you know one of the theories why so many people are experiencing osteoporosis is because the natural strontium that generally comes from our foods, we're not getting them anymore. And then you find them in more also organic mineral foods. deficiencies, right? Calcium as general, well. Yeah, general mineral yeah. deficiencies. And so we put a bunch of other trace minerals in there, uh, put some pretty traditional things for your joints, MSM, glucosamine, hyaluronic acid and just make a kind of balanced formula with the ingredient strontium, which is best. And, and a lot of these studies do have it in conjunction with calcium. So we recommend taking, but you're not supposed to take them at the same time because they'll actually compete for absorption because they're such a similar molecule. So you take the strong bone or your strontium supplement in the morning per se, and then take a calcium supplement at night. So great formula for you know people who are in kind of active sports or if you're getting up there in age or just want uh, better better general bone and, and joint strength and flexibility. And then uh, some exciting new stuff coming out. We got our Hemp Force product, which is fucking delicious, like really good, just it's very really simple. The best tasting protein powder I've ever had. Yeah. And it's the best for you. Absolutely. The crazy thing is about how less I fart on that stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's incredible. I, I do it with coconut water now. C2O has this uh, new version that uh, Brian's scared of. He's just scared tastes of like pulp. goobers. Tastes like, um, like coconut loads. It's like Bobby. <laughs> I love Bobby. Like a coconut, just shove it load in your mouth. <laughs> but it's uh, the coconut with pulp in it. Cito is not a sponsor, but they're our friends. So uh, we, uh, them and Alienware, we uh, we talk about them just because they're they're cool and they hook us up. Alienware hooked us up with some cool computers, and C2O keeps us hydrated. Indeed. But I make um, I make shakes with um, the uh, Hemp Force and C2O, and it's fucking delicious mm. and no gas. Yeah, nothing. I would make. I would make these fucking muscle milkshakes, which taste so good, but would burn holes in the seat of my car <laughs> while I was farting on the way to the gym. Yeah. Just like Jesus, well, there's a like, lot of that's so, fun though. And, that, <laughs> it's like, oh, what's going on? Why don't you want to fart? Farting's fun. There's a lot of um, issues with whey protein and digestion. I mean, if you if you aren't careful, it can create intestinal toxemia, which is like a sludge that builds up in your intestines and actually prevents the absorption of nutrients uh, beyond that. But it is a it is a very balanced 
kind of protein. It's just really tough for the human body to kind of metabolize it. Whereas hemp, on the other hand, hemp hearts, um, two-thirds of that is made up of a compound called edestrin, which is already very commonly found in the human body. So there's virtually no allergy or digestion issues. Plus, you got all the omega, omega-3s and 6s, fatty acids in there, the GLA, um, just a super protein for you. And all we did was add um, some cocoa, which is, again, another one of the original superfoods. You know, got a bunch of good trace minerals, chromium and, and a variety of other things, and, uh, and maca as well. Long traditional use of maca being able to boost libido and uh, also contain a bunch of nutrients that support the endocrine system. And a little bit of stevia, and uh, it's got a fucking delicious drink that'll refuel you. So I'm Real good to for that. you, super healthy, easy to digest, like everything about it I love. It's my new favorite all-time protein powder. And no gas, brother. That's it, Sorry that's about it. that, Brian. <laughs> and the beauty of stevia. I love stevia. Yeah, stevia is interesting stuff. If You could have too much of that stuff, though. If you try to put like a spoonful of it in your coffee, it's <laughs> yeah. almost undrinkable. Yeah. It's yeah, so strong. Sure. It is really strong. Agave and stevia, though, two favorites, though. Well, agave is not necessarily good for you, interestingly agave? enough. Agave? Really? Yeah, I always thought it was. It Why? Sounds, it sounds like herbal and shit. Like, um, have a little agave in my tea. It's basically it's just not like simple sugar. It's not too different fructose corn syrup, yeah. Yeah, it's like really? simple, simple sugar. Yeah. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah. It tastes good. You know, look, again, moderation. But stevia, way better for your body. Yeah. Way better. Just a little jazz of stevia. But the stevia in uh, hemp force, it's a, it's a delicious combination. The combination of the maca, the cocoa, the raw cocoa, and the, the hemp fiber all together. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's my favorite. Yeah. I fucked that shit up, man. You gave me a tub of that stuff. I killed that in two days. <laughs> yeah. I was fucking drinking it all the time. I had two in a row because they were so good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, but muscle milk's pretty goddamn good, too. That but for me, the, the fart drop off is, is really worth yeah. it. But I feel like I can work out quicker, too. Like I would, um, I like whey protein, but um, a lot of times when I would take it, I would feel like a little slow for like an hour and a half. Because your hours. stomach's got all that blood in there trying yeah. to deal with that shit. You know, yeah, it, it was, doesn't absorb easily. It's not as easy. Not nearly as easily absorbed as plant-based uh, um, protein, like yeah. hemp protein. If or you're looking for protein. another type of protein, too, the, probably the second best, I think, is a combination of rice and pea protein. Yeah. Together, they're a very complementary protein. Those are pretty good. They don't have the extra nutrients that hemp does or the adestrin that's part of the human body, but that's a pretty good one. Soy has a lot of issues, too. Plus, you don't get stoner cred. Yeah, that's you get true. straight stoner cred from eating hemp protein. Yeah, when you show bitches your muscles, oh, the shit came from hemp. Yeah. Came from hemp, and they had to bring it in from Canada because we're too stupid to grow muscles like this. You can't even grow yeah, this buddy. shit here in America. It's illegal. How stupid are we? Yeah, that's one of the really the most hurtful things about this retarded government. Mm-hmm. It no, is. no hemp. And by the way, Henry Ford made the first car out of hemp. You know, we, we talked about this in the podcast. There's a video you can get online. It's pretty dope. Have you ever seen it, Brian? Mm-mm. Yeah, he, you, he that, hits it with a hammer. Showed a few times. He hits the fucking fenders with a hammer, and the the this fiberglass that he's made out of hemp is so strong. The hammer's just bouncing off of it. Bang, <laughs> bang. I wanted to get a Corvette. Let me just throw this out there. See if anybody knows how this could be done. I wanted to get a Corvette and then get the body panels made out of hemp. How hard would that be to do? Would that be really hard to do? Somebody tell me. If it's Did you ask that last week? Yeah, I did, but no, no one, one no one said fucking it? responded. <laughs> they, they probably got too high. <laughs> Anybody who knows how to do it is like, dude, this is, I have the resources that you seek, sir. <laughs> 
They, uh, <laughs> if they really did know how to do it, they forgot to get back to All me. Right. But I just want to know, is there is someone, respond to me on Twitter if you know, is there a way to do that? Because if there is a way to do that, that would be badass. I like that Mustang better than I like that Corvette. Yeah. But well, I don't think you should get a red car. Shut up, son. I'm, I'm in love <laughs> with this new Mustang. There's a new Mustang Shelby that's coming out. It's got... I think it's it's I think I said it wrong. I think oh yeah. It's 650 horsepower. It's not 640. Wow. It's 650. 650 horsepower in a Mustang. <laughs> I mean it's hilarious. 3 miles per gallon. No, it actually doesn't even have a gas guzzler tax because it's um it's not naturally aspirated it has a supercharger on it. So it's a big ass V8 but it's really efficient and then on top of that it's connected to a radical fucking supercharger that is gives you this mad whine over the roar of the V8. But I'm in love with this car, man. This might be my next shit. <laughs> I just, I, well, I wanted to, I look, I like, I have a Mustang. I have a Shelby GT500 convertible. I like, but I'm not really that, I'm not really that cool with convertibles. Just too many variables. I've seen too many cars flip over on the highway and shit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that doesn't seem like a smart thing. Yeah. If you can have a metal roof, you know, you probably should have a metal roof. But um, but I, I love the idea of getting an American car that's a fun car. And if there's anything that America does right, it's make muscle cars. It's the last shit we do right yeah. when it comes to manufacturing. And I just love the fact that these guys are really going for it, that they really have made a 650 fucking horsepower Mustang. I mean, I almost feel like I'm obligated to buy something like this because <laughs> they're, they're so silly that they made it. That's how I felt like about uh, the Corvette ZR1. I felt the same way about that. Too. Like, it's so silly that they made such a crazy car. I feel like obligated because if I was a kid and I was like, man, if I, you know, if I saw something like that, I'd be like, man, if I had enough money, I'd buy one of those. Hell yeah. That's what you should do. You should buy one of those if you have enough money. I got one. I got yeah. the Challenger. I love it. He is, yeah. Challenger is a dope car. It's again, it's American muscle car. They mm -hmm. figured out how to make it right. They're fun to drive. They sound good. Yeah. They, they sound like they're alive. They have some fucking passion to them. Right, Brian? Mm -hmm. That's the last thing we do well. When we do a lot of shit well, we have the best music. We have the best comedy. Suck it if you disagree. Suck <laughs> it. Suck it. Yeah, England has some good music and England has some good comedy, but that's about it. The rest of the world can suck my dick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, Japanese make a few pretty badass cars. Your comedy's ridiculous. Stop. I know you invented martial arts, but, <laughs> you know, your comedy's got to go out the window. Mm -hmm. Anything to say, Brian, before we wrap this up? Mm -mm. Brian did something yesterday that's <laughs> not not good for his head. Yeah. And right now, and I hurt. think I think when I smoked it, uh, weed, it uh, mm -hmm. just kicked it back in. Probably. I yeah. I pretty, uh, pretty good right now, Joe. Why not? What? Come over here. Settle the fuck Come down. <laughs> gross. You're gross. Is that the? Is that how you get girls? Talk to them like that? Yeah. Come here, girl. Come here. Come here. I felt it. I felt vulnerable. Um, anything more? Yeah. No, that's it. I've been uh, super active on my blog, so if anybody wants to keep up with me, warriorpoet.us. Uh, and you have a podcast. Yeah, I got now. a podcast. Just had a podcast with Mitch Schultz at DMT, The Spirit Molecule. It was fucking really cool conversation. I keep him to about an hour. But uh, that was really cool. So check it out. You can see the links from uh, warriorpoet.us. Nice. Beautiful. All right. And we got uh, several podcasts this week. Tomorrow we have Bobo from Finding Bigfoot. <laughs> I am fucking very psyched. I have Let's been... find that motherfucker already. Oh, Come on, right. people. Well, if anybody's going to find it, Finding Bigfoot's going to find it. Um, and this uh, James Bobo Fay, and he's a squatcher 
on Twitter if you want to find him. And he's uh, he's tomorrow. And this is for, I'm fucking psyched because I've been uh, addicted to Bigfoot since I was a little kid. I've, I can't tell you how many documentaries I've watched and books I've read. I've uh, been fascinated. This guy's seen a Sasquatch, allegedly. Did you, says, see, did you see the South Park about, about this? About Bigfoot? Yeah. No. You should really watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I should really watch South Park about everything. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's Tuesday. Wednesday, we have Justin Halpern on the podcast. He's the guy who wrote Shit My Dad Says, and uh, he wrote the movie, and he's got a, a book called I Suck at Girls. It's his newest book, and a very funny guy. So he'll be joining us then. Next week, we got Honey Honey, Immortal Technique. Yay! Rob Wolf and Maynard Keenan. Oh my God, that's a huge week. Son, four weeks, four days in of chaos. That's next week. Yeah, the week after that, we got Tom Rhodes. We got a lot of shit happening, you dirty bitches. Jack Singer Concert Hall this Friday night. Ari Shafir, me, Duncan Trussell. Come get your freak on Calgary. There's still tickets available for the 10 p.m. show. Thank you to Onnit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T. And if you want to buy some supplements, use the code name Rogan and save yourself 10% off. We cannot give you this sort of a discount on the battle ropes and the kettlebells. It's because they're as cheap as we can possibly sell them, ladies and gentlemen, and the best fucking quality you're going to get. These kettlebells are made out of solid motherfucking iron, and long after you're dead... Archaeologists will find these bitches at the bottom of the ocean and try to figure out what the fuck they are. And they'll go, oh, this is what Mike used to get swole as fuck. Go get check em. them out. Go get them. Go get yourself on a fucking workout program. We have all sorts of different... Um, uh, you can buy them in um, packages. All sorts of different packages for beginners and for people who are um, a bit more experienced. There's a hundred different fucking more videos on YouTube of different kettlebell techniques. And there's a lot of DVDs and, and stuff that's available as well. We're eventually going to make our own DVD. We're going to get on that. We'll probably talk about that as soon as we shut off this fucking podcast. Okay? <laughs> so we got to get to it. Alright, we love you guys. Much love, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you, everybody, for all the positive energy and all the positive tweets and all the Absolutely. cool motherfuckers that come out to these comedy shows, and it's overwhelming. You, For sure, we have tapped into some sort of a vein of the coolest people on earth, and I, I you know, no we hear from all you people that we are contributing to your happiness, and we are contributing to your positive energy, and make no mistake about it, we feel very obligated, very connected, and, and, and we, we, we're all a part of this thing. We're all part of this thing together. We're just the antenna and the whatever the radio the thing that keeps it moving i ran out of cliches i'll see you fucking freaks tomorrow keep it in your pants unless you're gonna use it Adios.